What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Hide. This week, we have Stevie Ray from Wildflower Leatherworks. And unfortunately, the first 10 minutes of this podcast, I did have to cut out. Uh, we had some issues with service, and it was really scratchy and jumping in and out. Really couldn't hear much. Fortunately, though, we did not get into anything too crazy. We still had an extra two hours left on the podcast, so it's not that big of a deal. So yeah, we're going to go ahead and get started, and I hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. So, Did you uh, have any like mentors or anybody to help you? Or so for me, no. I was just there's out here in Pennsylvania. I'm sure it's probably like this up in Michigan as well. There, there is not a whole ordeal of leather crafters, leather shops, or really anything near me at all. Uh, I do my. There are a few tack makers I do know that are kind of local, but they they don't really do much tooling. Mm-hmm. They do a lot. Uh, like the one girl I know, she she's pr- she does a lot. She does a lot. She does it full time, but she does a lot of tack. And she does a lot of stuff where it's mainly just uh, designer hides or size, stuff like that. And then just yeah. fancy conchos and studs. You know, that's yeah. kind of. So for me, I really wanted to get into the tooling. And that was kind of nothing. And there wasn't as many resources back four and a half, whatever years ago I started. So mm-hmm. mostly, yeah, until about, I think, when I first downloaded TikTok two years ago, I think, or a year and a half, whatever it was, that was actually the first time I ever talked to another leather crafter. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was kind of like, I still might not be doing things right because I never had anyone to teach me. But yeah, it's good so far. It's good so far, I guess. I mean, has there have you had someone uh, there that like kind of said, hey, you know, this is how you do this, or just really anyone you could talk to to help you out uh, throughout the process of learning? So, I mean, yes and no. Um, Back then, it was something that I was just kind of being headstrong about, and I wasn't going to reach out to anybody. I was just going to figure it out myself. Mm -hmm. Asking people for help kind of makes me feel like I need to give something to them in return. And so I just, I never really wanted to like shove my pride down and ask questions. So I uh, definitely like struggled through a whole bunch, probably more than I needed to. Um, and then kind of like as the business progressed, um, I started talking to other leather crafters. They'd reach out to me, um, and, and offer advice and offer help. But nothing like anybody really taught me anything just like little tips and tricks like hey if you want a deeper black add a little brown to it things Mm -hmm. like that that I was like oh man that's cool I never would have thought of that um and then I'm getting ready so um there's this gal who lives down the road she's like 20 minutes away and I had no idea who she was but she and her dad build amazing saddles. Really? So they, yeah, they're actually going to be teaching me how to build saddles pretty soon. So I guess I'm going to actually have my first teacher, which is pretty neat. That's awesome. I've always, yeah. I've always wondered that. Like, I've had people ask me. Like, I've actually would want to sit down. Like, even classes, you know, they have at the uh, different shows. They have classes. You sit down, have people teach you. And I've always thought how cool that would be just, like, someone teach me something like well like you said i've had tips and tricks over the year the people just said do this do that and they're absolutely awesome little things do go a long way mm-hmm. but i've never actually had a chance to, like sit down and just like okay you teach me 
to do something. So that's that'd be awesome. What do you is that something coming up soon you want to get done building the saddle or just... It sounds like so they're waiting on the trees to come in, um, mm-hmm. but it sounds like I should be starting that with them next week or the week after, sometime around there. Um, they what they do, it's really neat. Um, they get forms and like these big plastic pieces, and they heat them up in the oven, and then they put it on these horses and kind of get the shape of the horse, and then they send it off to their tree maker, and they get yeah. custom trees made and. So they're kind of in the process of waiting for those custom trees to come in. And then what their plan is, Audra will build one saddle that's a custom order and I'll build the other custom ordered saddle while their dad, her dad, watches over and uh, kind of awesome. guides us along. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know what? It sounds like so much better of a situation than a classroom setting. Yeah. You know, I, I suck at listening. I well, I mean, I listen, but sitting still and not doing anything with my hands is not a, a quality that I really possess. <laughs> no, I'm the same way. Unless I'm sitting there and doing it myself, I can't learn. You can't just right. say you can't verbally tell me how to do something. Like I have to pick it up my hands and do it. Otherwise, yeah. Uh, it's just going in one ear and out the other. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like white nose noise hits and your ears start ringing and you're just like, I can't compute this. This is not sticking. What what uh what are you looking? What are you doing for your first? So are you doing it for you or are you just doing a saddle with them? That, like... I'm doing a saddle with them. It's a custom order. I don't know what style of saddle. I don't know if there's going to be any tooling on it. Mm-hmm. Not really sure, but uh, I'll find out. And I'm definitely post some pictures. Heck yeah, that's awesome. I think it's cool. I was trying to, yeah, I don't even know if any salaries around me, to be honest. Like, I've always, like, I know there is, uh, oh shoot, what is his name? He's all the way up north of me. And actually, I talked to, uh, what's his, no, I'm forgetting. He made that beautiful barrel saddle for Steely Steiner. Uh, I can see his name right now. I, I talked to him <laughs> down in Waco, and it's kind of funny because uh, it was me, I was sitting there with Julie, and he's like, hey, you know, Monty Reed, all right? So Monty Reed, okay. I was talking to him in Waco, and he's like, where are you from? I'm like, Pennsylvania. He's like, I know this guy, call him, but the only problem is, like, he lives like four and a half hours away. So pretty much going there to work with him, unless I'd actually like go out there for a couple of weeks, is kind of like, yeah. Right. But that's, no, yeah, that's I, that is, go ahead. I'm sorry. It's okay. Before I, before I reached up out to uh, Audra, uh, Wortley, um, I actually, I stopped by a, a man's house. He lives in uh, Indiana. His name's Ron Ross. He's a saddle maker that he's, I don't know if he's quite retired now, but I know he doesn't do quite as much as he used to. And I really was looking into wanting to learn from him. And then there was another guy that I found that was in Northern Ohio. And I was like, well, maybe, maybe I could ask him and make it work. And I just, man, when you've got to travel that far, it, it makes yeah. it hard to to keep up the home life too. Yeah. That's traveling. It does. It traveling is a lot especially nowadays gas five dollars a gallon holy smokes i was joking. yeah uh, i uh i was dating uh i'm still dating him but i was in southeastern ohio over by hawking hills so we had a six hour commute just down there and six hours back home 
And uh, I told him he just moved up here uh, last October. And I was like, man, you moved at the right time because I don't know if I could have afforded to date you now. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, I go out. I go out to Ohio occasionally. I go up by, uh, you familiar with Burbank? Kind of by, yep. uh, uh, where's Burbank by? It's right, it's not that far out of Cleveland, I believe. Okay. And even then, it's just like my buddy owns a ranch out there, and I stop out there for the bull ridings and help him work. Oh, cool. Well, oh my goodness! Like now, it's just like last summer. It wasn't too bad in gas to drive out there and back. I could not imagine owning diesel. I'm gonna say that right now. I own a gas, but oh my goodness! I don't want to. I'm happy. I'm self-employed. I could. I could not imagine driving (laughs) out to work and back every single day. Oh gosh, no, nope this is awesome. I'm going to do it. Or like, how did that go on? Um, well, I'm not really sure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) there's, I I like to do different. I like Mm -hmm. to do different. I like to do things that people haven't seen before. I want to do stuff that just makes people go, holy crap, who is that? And why did she do that? And, uh, at that time I'd moved my shop. Well, I didn't actually have a shop yet. Um, and I was, I was at my friend's in her like in-law apartment and Mm -hmm. I, I was just looking out the window at the river, just kind of brainstorming. And I, one thing that has like an image that's always been burned into my brain since childhood was Mm -hmm. uh, lion King and like the little lion cub Simba and Nala, I think was her name. Anyways, they Mm -hmm. were riding ostriches and I just, (laughs) I, you know, like the tail feathers flapping in the wind and they're singing their songs. And I always thought that was so cool. And so my original thing was like, I'm going to do open an ostrich because it's different. Right. Yeah. And then I was like, man, I really don't think I want to tool an ostrich. That that looks like a lot of work. So <laughs> I was like, well, dinos are different. People haven't really been putting dinosaurs on leather. So let's let's go for it <laughs> and it just kind of progressed from there of what it, else can we do to make this weird like so we'll add a mustache to the ufo and we'll put a a, a heart tattoo on the prairie dog and and see how weird we can do cool, things. though like that's like you said it stands out like i promise you i've never seen anything like that before and it's just like <laughs> you know what i'm saying i just it pops so much it's so cool you know that's one thing that i i just love like I said, the armadillo, the stripper disco ball, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so-, so we, uh, I did, um, I, when I was kind of first starting tooling and pushing this business, I did a whole drunken animal line on, on trucker hats. Mm-hmm. So I did a drunken armadillo. I did a, a drunken road runner, um, a drunken jackalope and sold a ton of those hats and so after that I was kind of like well what else can I do that's an animal doing something they probably ought to not be doing yeah (laughs) and uh yeah yeah, we've um I've got two girls that work with me in the shop and one of the girls was like hey you know it'd be really cool is an armadillo on a stripper pole we'll call (laughs) her a dillho and I was like send it let's do it <laughs> and so that's where where that one came around <laughs> that no that's awesome i mean that's <laughs> it's just yeah even like i like the colors you pick too are very very vibrant you know 
that's, Thank you. that's another thing that really, really makes it pop. So another thing I also wanted to bring up is the MMIW. Yes. Uh, Association You Raise Money For. If you want to go ahead and take a second to talk about that, I think that is absolutely awesome of you to do that. Thank so, you. So yeah, go ahead. If you want to talk about that for a minute. Yeah. So um, I was doing a bunch of cowgirl shit makeup bags. And one, something that we always, like I've always called my makeup is I've, it's my war paint and putting on my war paint. And I thought, man, it'd be really cool to put that on a makeup bag. And then I started thinking about it and I was like, you know, I don't think I should be using that to profit off of, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's not, it's not acceptable and, and I shouldn't be profiting off of it, but you know what I can do is I can talk to a gal pal of mine that, that does a lot of awareness for them and, and see where I could take this. And so my good friend, Dakota Hunt, she, uh, she was like, well, here's an organization, the MMIW organization, and they are a great place. They, they, um, so the proceeds go to the families and to the missing women and children and then they also offer like self-defense classes and awareness. And it's just a really amazing organization. Uh, if you ever want to look it up, it's mmiwusa.org. And uh, it's, it's, it's an amazing place. We've been very fortunate to raise some money for them and send it to them. I, I know it's not, it's not as much as I'd like to do, but we try to throw in a few things every month that we can send to them and it's it's worked out it's pretty cool yeah, that's that's no that's really awesome I, I saw that i'm just like no that's absolutely amazing you to do that and i'm sure they do very much appreciate what you do for them and but yeah but that's yeah i just i don't know i just thought that was really really cool i saw the one day and then i was like looking at it and i saw i read the description and i looked into it and i just yeah that's that's awesome what they're really neat that also, real quick, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but was it not the the UFO dinosaur breast crawler that got featured in the Cowboy and Indians magazine? It wasn't. Um, it wasn't? They featured, nope. They Which featured, was it? it was called Western Dispute, and mm -hmm. on one side was an uh, indigenous man, and um, on the other side was a cowboy, and they were both firing at each other. All right. And, uh, yeah, and so it got featured on Cowboys and Indians, which was pretty neat because it's kind of, you know, yeah, symbolic no, to their yeah. name. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I remember, I remember back. There, I knew it was a breast collar that you made. Yeah, and I could, I could not remember off the top <laughs> of my head. I just remember it did have like the vibrant blue in it, and I just remember it had those colors. So that's mm -hmm. why I was thinking of that. That that's awesome. I I don't think they'd feature my um. Yeah, the prairie dog in the UFO <laughs> scene because it kind of has some naughty words on it. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna bring up the the dog colors too, but yeah, that's oh yeah. <laughs> those, uh, <laughs> I'm well, sure we... for those who follow you and who know, I mean, I'm sure everyone right now they're like pausing this podcast to go look up wildflower of the worst. What dog colors are they talking about? What does that breast <laughs> color say? Well, you know the the names that you call your dogs when they're really making you pretty nope. upset 
the, those were the names we put on dog collars and and those kind of flew off the shelf it was pretty neat <laughs> they're awesome like i like i mean it's just like cool you know what i'm saying it's just one of those things yeah. that's just like wow that's awesome we really so, we really enjoy pushing the boundaries that's and a, that's a great thing though you know yeah. that's that is why your work pops out so much it's not Thank just you. like i do a lot of floral all yeah. right everybody does a lot of floral but you know? not everybody does floral like you yes to an extent but like you're taking something and you're just like just like i'm sorry but like i feel like you're the only person i've ever seen twill a dinosaur in a breast crawler <laughs> so it's just like that it's just like it takes it and just pushes it like so far up it's just i don't know i just think it's awesome and yeah it's just something that you don't there's like i feel like there's certain areas like of i don't know how to word it like there are some floral toolers there's some people's people that do like say geometrics then there's mm-hmm. some uh figure carving and then there's like there's you and just like you have your (laughs) own you have your own little category and it's just it's just awesome because i don't know no one could do it like you could you know i'm saying it's just i could you could literally have any piece and i know a lot of folks like this too i could just tell someone's piece it doesn't have to have i can see half the piece just the way they tool something or the colors and i could pick it a mile out you know which is a great thing you know absolutely great that's exactly what you need to strive for you need to have just your trademark there's something about you that you do the only way you can that makes people see it and go that's dominic that's stevie ray that's whoever and and that's it's really something that i really try to push people to when they're starting out leather work and if they're asking me questions or even if I catch them, you know, kind of copying me and I, I talk to them, that's one of the things that I keep pushing to them is find what makes you, you draw every single day, even if it's only 10, 15 Ooh, minutes. I will. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll talk here in a second, but you can go ahead and finish what you're <laughs> saying, but yeah, I just, mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So, so find like we, we've all been guilty of, of seeing somebody that does an amazing work and going, mm-hmm. I want to make it like that, but you can't make it like that because you're not them and yep. you don't get that, that fire from copying them. So you got to draw every day. You got to figure out what you do. That's different. That's cool. That's your trademark. That that's exactly you. And just push the envelope with it. And so I'll get to the drawing thing here in a second because I'm sure if anyone listens to any of my lives, like they've heard me rant about this. But yeah, that's the thing. Everybody, like can we talk about before, like when it comes to the floral. All right. Mm-hmm. I you take, say, me, me, Dustin Loftus, Dawn, you take uh Clayton Moore, you take uh I'm trying to think of other guys. Take all four of us, we could tool the same exact pattern and every single one would look different. Yep. And yep. that's what you have to do. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Excuse me, I'm a little winded. I just walked up the stairs. I'm <laughs> out of shape from being in the shop all day. But <laughs> so, but that's it. Like, you really, there's, we were just talking, I was on the phone with my friend last night about this, Tyler. And he was like, you know. Oh, he's a good guy. Oh, yeah, Tyler. 
He's yeah. like, you know, Dom, I think me and Julie mentioned it on our podcast. And he's like, no one does really anything new. Everything's redone, but you've got to take what's been done and make it your own. Yeah. You know, there's floral. That's a huge floral is one of like, I think it, it's really becoming more popular. I think I get a lot of people that ask me about learning how to draw floral or carve it or tool it. And so it's really popping up. And that's what, like you said about sometimes I have myself people trying to copy my work, which, you know, to an extent, I understand, like, first off, the flow of a pattern. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're never if you really want to create a name for yourself, you really got to branch off. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Almost every single plugin, or not really some flowers that I do are based off another artist. Mm-hmm. But I take it and I create it my own. I modify it, I change it, and so on. Like I said, everything is pretty much the same when it comes to floral. You know, you got your, your say, leaves, flowers, your arcanthus, plugins, what, what, so on, the buds. Everything's the same. You got to take it, make it your own. And that's what's going to, if you want like a name, and I, I guess you could say, a, yeah, a name in the leather community, you want your work to pop out, you have to do something that other people haven't done. Right. And you want your work to pop out. If I see, uh, like I said, Don Gonzales work pops right out. If I see Dustin's work pops right out, Clayton Moore, so on, your work, Buckaroo's work, anybody's work, I know who it is just by looking at the style of it. So mm-hmm. I see a lot of people who first get started in the leather craft and they think to themselves like, hey, you know, Cause I've been there when I started, like if my work doesn't look just like his or hers, it's no good. Right. You know? And I have, I, I feel like that's a problem. People don't understand that everyone does stuff differently just because it doesn't look like, you know what I'm saying? That's like saying, well, Don doesn't look <clears> like <throat> Dustin, so he's no good. Or Dustin doesn't look like Don's work, so he's no good. They both right. look completely different, but they're both amazing artists. Yep. And yep, everybody's got their own signature and their own flair. And you really got to capitalize on the fact that you have your own player because everybody's got different tastes. So one guy may not like how somebody else does something, but they'll like how another person does. So absolutely. there's always going to be customers and always going to be clientele if you're doing your own thing. And that's, that's, that's it. I just, and I kind of re- relate back to this last year, or not this past December, but the one before that, that August is when my Hey Dudes blew up. When I first mm-hmm. started making Hey Dudes, that's kind of that blew up on TikTok. Oh, yeah. There were people, I think my turnaround time, which this to now, this is my turnaround time, is kind of pushing it. Some people, I know they would go way farther past this. Like, <laughs> I was booked out like eight months straight. Oof. And so I think it was November, and people were messaging me. And wanting shoes, I'm like, look, I'm not going to get to your order until, like, August. Mm-hmm. But they did not care. They, I mean, I sent them to, like, this person, that person. Like, they all do hey dudes. Go check them out. But they wanted my work, you know? Yep. And you build up a customer base like that. And it'll be the same thing where some will come to you that want your work. They'll come to me and not want my stuff because it's just all the way we do it design. Yep. Yep. And I, I think it's cool too, when you've got customers that will branch off and they'll use a bunch of different leather workers. Mm-hmm. Cause I think it's, I think it's cool that everybody's getting supported and everybody's oh, getting business. 
but it is it is really neat and kind of just it just feels good when you have somebody who's like nope i don't want their work their work's fine their work's great yep. but i want you yep exactly. what you do is good and, and that happens oh, yeah no it's just it's just cool it's neat yeah and that's yeah, it, it's really, uh, yeah, see, it's, they're not just thinking of leather work, they're thinking of your, it's you, you're the one making it, you know, saying, so when they're willing to wait, it's not just like, okay, I'm just going to find the next best or cheap, whatever it is, to go and make something for me, and which is, mm-hmm. it's awesome. And another thing to returning customers, that's one of the, the be- I would oh, yeah. rather have a returning customer than a new customer every day, you know? Yeah, that, that I, is, I mean, it's. It's cool to have both. Like, it's really mm-hmm. neat when you've got somebody who's never seen you before and they don't know you. And there's there's such a stigma in the leatherworking community of, of people getting screwed over. You know, they, they take their hard-earned money, they give it to a leather worker, and a leather worker doesn't provide. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very cool when people are willing to trust you and they go, I've never seen you before, but I like your work. Here's my money. And they're willing to give you that trust. And you, that's pretty cool. And that's the thing. Like you can imagine, like they're handing you money and they're just like, hey, you use your imagination to come up with something on a <laughs> piece of cow. You yep. know, <laughs> if you're really thinking that way, just like I'm trusting you to use your brain to just make something cool out of leather. And yeah, that it's is, kind of intimidating sometimes. <laughs> exactly. And that's like, that's for me too. Just, I have like pretty much most of my customer base is out of Texas and Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I'm some Pennsylvania kid. Right. You know, same. it's just like, I just really thought that was just like, wow, like someone out of state is legit, worked their butt off this week to get a paycheck to trust me to build them something. That, and I just, I just think that's awesome. It, Especially. I really think it, especially when it's coming from like cowboy country mm-hmm. and there's leather workers 10 minutes down the road from them. Yep. You know, everybody and their brother does it and they decide to order from Pennsylvania or order from Michigan. And you're like, I'm the farthest thing from a cowboy, but this is cool. Like, mm-hmm. Thank you exactly. for, like, for doing that. No cowboys around me. <laughs> I got Pittsburgh uh, 20 minutes from me. Uh, there, there ain't no cowboys. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, I mean, we, we have some, uh, we've got a really good rodeo community around here, mm-hmm. uh, but it's it's definitely not Texas, that's for sure. Yeah, no, I I'll say the same thing. We got a nice, we got we got a youth rodeo. I go up mm-hmm. to all the time and help out, teach kids and everything, and just help that's out the way I can. It's awesome, but you know, I was down in Texas and been that. It's yeah, exactly what you said. It's awesome, but it is not cowboy country, you right? Know? So. But yeah, that's awesome. Like, I just think it's a really great opportunity just being able to do stuff like that for people. I just can't believe, like, it just blows my mind. Just, like, I'm making stuff for other people. Like, people are trusting me with their money. I don't know. I'm just, I may be overthinking it, but, yeah, that's awesome. It's it's neat, and it's your, your work is now in different states, in states mm-hmm. that you may not have even been to. And you know for a fact those people – that they spent their money with you, they're using your product. And anytime anybody goes, holy crap, that's cool. Where'd you get it? Mm-hmm. They're talking about you. Yep. They're talking about you in a state you've never been to, a place you're ne- you've never even walked into, and your name is running through the mill. And that's, that's cool. That is. That's, that's one thing I've always, like, one of the reasons why I really want to learn how to build saddles, too, is I would love to someday 
some somebody's going through an older barn from their grandpa or their great grandpa and they they see a saddle sitting there they're that's got work. some crazy crap on it and they were mm. like who the heck was this and why did they put that on there <laughs> that would be <laughs> just like the coolest thing is to create an heirloom piece mm-hmm. that kept and then people wonder who was that that's awesome i've always thought about that too like you know, I've I've gone to some states and some places, and as, more or less at rodeos. And I've always mm-hmm. like thinking, you know, how cool it'd be just to like being somewhere you've never been, at like a rodeo or whatever, and just seeing someone with something you made. Yeah. Like I definitely would walk up and be like, "Who the heck made that thing?" <laughs> it was the same thing with saddles too. Like, you never know. You can make a saddle for someone, a barrel racer this year, and then five years you could see it on the NFR. You know, yeah. so it's just... I, um, I made a pair of shaps for a buddy mm-hmm. of mine. Um, he's a horse trainer in cold water and I made him, they were actually my per- first pair of shaps. And, uh, he asked me to do scroll work on the yokes with a drunken armadillo. Yeah. And so I built them and they looked pretty cool. And I, I learned a lot Well, he wore those shaps at a horse sale in, uh, Louisiana. And he's riding around the ring and some girl stops him and she goes, is that a drunken armadillo on there? Oh yeah. And he goes, he goes, yeah, it sure is. She goes, did Wildflower Leatherworks make those? Yeah. And he goes, yeah, Stevie's one of my good friends. And I was like, heck yeah. When he that told is, me that story. That is it, awesome. Yeah. It's wow. so cool when it's, it's somebody you've never met and they go, that's, wildflower leatherworks that's d2 leather like that's yeah that's it's cool that's like we were referencing back to what we said earlier like when you have work like that that stands out and then you don't have to see no maker's mark they can just look at your tooling or your builds or the things you make and say that is that that person and like i said mm-hmm. that's the cool thing yeah that's <laughs> yeah it's i think the closest really i think the closest thing like that has ever happened to me is i was at, i was at buck in ohio the rodeo grounds one day oh yeah uh, we just got done bucking the second round of bulls. We we're doing barrel racing, and I went over the gyro. And I remember some kid tapped me on my shoulder, and it wasn't even a belt, nothing. He just pulled up my YouTube channel. He said, "Is this you?" <laughs> I went, I went to drop my gyro back. Oh my goodness, no way! Coolest thing. Never that expected it. Never expected. But I just like I don't know. I just think it's fantastic. I'm still hoping for the day that I can just. Just go somewhere and see my work, but yeah, but yeah, that's, it'll happen. That is awesome. That's crazy. So, so yeah, let me go. I'm trying to think. I just hmm. So all the time throughout your years doing leather work, you know, has there ever been a time where you like you're kind of like I don't say your head wasn't right? Absolutely. Um, this business is a hard business, you know, just trying to serve people and also still maintain a a life and Mm -hmm. trying to do things that you're, you may not be so good at. Like for me, I am not a bookkeeper. I am (laughs) not good at numbers. I'm not good at legal stuff. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not something I want to do. It's not something I excel at. Um, and so that gets frustrating. Thankfully I have, I have people that help me out with that. Um, 
it's also really hard because you're putting yourself out there constantly and it's not always well received. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's difficult. And then there's always that, at least for me, there's always that voice in the back of my head that says you need to go get a real job. You know, like you need to go work a nine to five, get good money, you know, consistent paycheck. You need to have insurance. You need to have a 401k. You need to have all these things. And so that always definitely, you know, plays a part in, in, in the struggle. And I also really struggled with custom work. Um, I loved meeting the customers. I loved bringing their dream to life, but I really stressed out about timelines. I really stressed out. So, So, Oh, go ahead. Um, timelines were, were, were difficult. And also when people would be like, well, I just love your work and I just want this. Like, I I just want a bag, do whatever you want to it. And it's like, you know, that's a lot of trust, man. I kind of want to know, like, can you give me a smorgasbord of like things that you enjoy? (laughs) Right. People do that with me in the belt all the time. They're just like, I don't care. Just put my initials on it. I'm like, can you at least tell me like maybe a color you'd want? Like, right. I, I try to keep it simple to a T, you know, obviously whenever I, I want to do, I don't even ask them like, do you want like this certain flower on your belt? If they bring it up, absolutely. But mm-hmm. I think there, there can, there is a point where you give too much information and you'll confuse the customer and it just makes it work. But when people just say, I don't, I don't care. Just make me a belt with credentials. <laughs> like, can you at least tell me like what color you want your initials or like doing a brown belt, black belt, like, you know, just something that said, right. like, I was a lot of people like that though. They just like, Here's my money, make whatever, I'll be happy. And I'm just like, will you be happy though? Because I'm worried you might not be. <laughs> well, and it's it's a lot of responsibility, mm-hmm. a ton. I mean, it, that's one thing that I've always been a penny pincher. We we grew up pretty pretty poor and, and money is a big thing. And so when people give me that, it's it's a huge <laughs> responsibility of I want you to be fully pleased and impressed and proud of what you've gotten so can you please guide me in the right direction <laughs> yeah just give me just just something to go off of because right. that's like that because i mean honestly a lot of people have different visions on what they think things are going to look like mm-hmm. you know and not, don't get me wrong a lot of times that i've done something for somebody like that they've always been cool with it but i'm always worried that you know everyone has different tastes I yep. mean, even if like it could be you just some person really loves the look of, say, a mahogany dyed belt and you dyed the border black, you know, so right. that's always something I, I'm not, like, just give me basics and we'll go off of that because I'm just like so worried that like that day is going to come where I'm going to put all this time into something and they, and from their words, they said do whatever, but in the end, they're like, oh, you know what? I don't like this. That's what my biggest worry is. Yep. Yep. It's a lot of responsibility. That and sometimes you'll have customers that they come to you, but they send you pictures of other other people's work. Uh, And you're just like, okay, I get that you like that, but you have sent me 10 pictures of this person's work. I really recommend you go to that person because that's their style. I can't do that. That's not me. I think that's a common thing in between a lot of the workers because I can't, like, I have people that send me screenshots. And I send mm-hmm. the other leather workers, and I'm just, 
That is so common. I think it's because of the price. People think, they think we're leather workers and we all do the same as I think. Well, first off, even if I could tool certain things that other people do, but absolutely I never will. Right. It's just like, that is their thing. Yep. I tell There's Trump, I'm like, I will make something similar. I will put this in and this in, but it's going to be my floral. It's going to be the way I tool it. It's going to look completely different at the end of it. I get mm -hmm. if you like the theme of it, that's cool. But I promise you, it is going to look nothing like what you sent me at the end of it because I'm not, I just believe it's like plagiarism, you know? Right. Yep, yep. It's intellectual theft and it's, it's different. You're, you're honestly, you're never going to make that customer happy because you can't make what they make. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I had this, this woman who wanted a center console and she just kept sending me pictures of this other man mm -hmm. of his work. And, and I was like, okay, well, what about that? Do you like, so do you like the sunflowers? Is it the scroll work that you like? Mm -hmm. Is it just the color you like? And finally we just pinpointed it down to, she liked everything about his work and i was like you really have to go to him yeah. she's like well i don't want to go to him because he has bad reviews and i'm like well i don't know what to tell you because i that's not me i won't cross that line and even if i did attempt to cross that line there is no absolutely no way it'll look like his because i'm not him yeah. and that that's one thing uh like gracie christians and i've talked to about a lot and we wanted to do it but we never worked out on it but what we were talking about was if if somebody came to you and they said i want sunflower spur straps i want two sunflowers on them and i want buck stitch and i want it to be brown gracie could draw hers do hers i could do mine they would look like two completely different yep. sets even though it's the same exact elements they would be completely different because we all draw things differently we all shade things differently we carve them in differently and so that's one of the reasons why you can always tell when somebody knocks you off right because mm -hmm. they didn't do it differently they, and, you know they that's, that's funny you said that i did call the person out on it Look, I get it. Like, don't I sell patterns on my website? You know what? Those patterns mm -hmm. I do, I modify them to not look exactly like my work. But even if it is, I don't care because no one can tool to what my patterns like I can't. Right. You know. But I had an instance multiple times where people, mainly hey dudes, or this one person. I'm not referencing them. Whatever. I talked to them about it. Whatever. They copied it piece by piece and even tried thumbprinting it and mules fitting everything the same exact way i mean oh. obviously i had a picture side by side and they look completely different but i'm like you know it, it's just i understand like i said if you're starting out you're having trouble mm -hmm. ask for help oh yeah you know that's I if you're having trouble drawing like look i go on tiktok live all the time i'm always helping people learn how to draw how to do this how to do that Instead of just going and copying someone or even just, just mesh them and say, hey, you know, I like this pattern. I like how you did this. Do you care if I take it and modify it? Like, I don't know. If someone came up to me and they said, hey, sent me a picture of, say, I don't, I don't know. Uh, we'll say some Dustin Center console. All right. And he has, say, ducks going on it or 
uh, sunflowers on it. I'm like, okay, look, I can do the sunflowers. I'll throw ducks on it, but I'm going to modify it. I'm going to make it with my floral because that's a big thing. I get people all the time that, uh, what's the one? I forget what her name is, but for some reason, they must not like her prices because I get screenshots all the time. I need you to make this. I'm like, first off, I can do this, this, and this. It's going to look completely different. I'm going to make the animals different. I'm going to make the floral different. But it's just very frustrating. And I've had it happen to me multiple times where I've had people just blatantly copy it. I've had mm -hmm. a pair of... Actually, I had a pair of chaps. Like I said, they're cool. I've talked to them before. After it's over. They had a picture. They posted it in a leather craft group. How was my first pair of chaps look? Anyone know what was in the background? A screenshotted, blown-up picture of a pair of yokes that I did. Literally the picture of my chaps. Oof. And like I said, I tried talking over. I'm like, look, and I, at the end of the day, we're cool now. I gave them hints. I helped them out learning how to draw. And cause mm -hmm. I, I, floral is very, very hard to comprehend. Oh, yeah. I struggle with it every day. And I, you know, I'm able to pick apart any pattern, tell you the flow of it, the different uh, plugins and stuff. It's honestly, it's tough. You know what I'm saying? But mm -hmm. I just don't feel like no matter what skill level you're at, if you buy a pattern off of me or Dawn or whoever, absolutely, that is fine. You buy my pattern, you do what you want with it. Oh, yeah. But in no instances, unless practice, I will tell you this, if you want to practice, that's fine. But whether it's me, you, or anyone, I just really don't think, I just think it's very wrong for you to blatantly take someone's pattern and try to copy it exactly to resell it. Yeah. It, it's it's one thing if you're going to use it to learn off of, but if you're going to profit off of somebody else's work, it's it's not acceptable. But one thing I, I do push a lot of people that are beginning, like, hey, they'll, they'll send me messages. Hey, can I do your cowboy killer? Or can I do this? Or can I do that? And it's like, how about you tell me what it is that you really want to do, the, yeah. something that you really like about it, and let me help you draw something that's yours and and that's one thing I, I really want people to know is that you can come to me and you can say I really like this and I will help you come up with your own thing mm -hmm. that that's got those elements but is yours and not mine because at the end of the day you need to be you you need to draw what you can draw and at your skill level and that makes you happy and sets you apart because you don't want to be me. You don't, you don't want to be Stevie Ray 2.0. You want to be you number one, you, mm -hmm. and, and you're not going to be able to do that by using other people's ideas. Cause you, you just, you can't, it, you'll never be different. You'll never set apart and you're always going to be playing a catch up game. If, if your only competition is yourself, you can, you're only going to get better every day. You know, like I, mm -hmm. I told Hollis earlier, um, yeah, when he shared post, that post. Yeah. yeah. Like your only competition is you just get better than yes, yesterday's you every day. Just, this is what I did yesterday. What can I change on that? What can I approve on that? What can, what can be done to make this look better? That's one thing I was talking to Tyler about last night as well. There is no the best 
Tooler out there or Leatherwork, everybody, there's not, it's not like, say, uh, a sport where mm-hmm. it's repetitive, the same exact thing. Everybody in Leathercraft tools differently. There will never be, this is the best tooler out there. You know, right. you will take, there are so many people after you, like, you, you can master tooling. When you figure out exactly how to use every single tool, amazing, beautiful, say, thumb printing and bar grounding or backgrounding and super smooth beveling. When it comes to a point where it's just you're tooling what you tool. There is mm-hmm. no, this is, if you don't look like this, your tooling isn't like this or that, it's bad. You know, that's a big thing. I never, the only time I'll ever criticize someone's tooling is when it comes to the actual beveling or thump. I'll say, hey, you know, clean up your beveling lines a little bit. They're, uh, you know, I see some lines that smooth them out. Or, hey, your thumb printing, uh, it's not following the direction of the flower petal going down to the set, stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I don't, I just think it's a super big misconception. Like I said earlier, like, People honestly who start don't believe that if their work doesn't look like yours, they're they can't sell nothing because it's not good enough. Right. And that that is completely wrong. If anyone's out there listening to this right now, you, <laughs> you I'm just saying like your work can look a hundred percent different from someone else's, but be just as good. It's yep. more or less the time and effort you put into the build and creating your own piece, like you said. That just, I just feel like that really just, it, it helps you out in every aspect. As your customers, nobody wants to buy. Okay, there are some people out there, I will say because of TikTok, will buy stuff that looks exactly like your stuff, but a little bit cheaper, okay? But most mm-hmm. people who are in the building are buying leather work. They have an eye for you because they like what you do because, like you said, the only person who can build it as good as you is you. Right. No one can copy your work because it's your work, <laughs> Yep. Yep. They can't do the lines exactly like you, or they can't do the beveling exactly like you or the, whatever it is, they're all going to move it and change it just a little bit because their hands aren't your hands. Yep. It's just their eyes different. You know what I'm saying? Yep. We perceive things in different ways. Just, yeah, absolutely. The only thing that bothers me is, is when people are tooling is if, they're just rushing and they're not taking mm-hmm. their time and they're not trying to do the best product that they can make. That's you know, and, and I've been in, I've been guilty of that. You know, mm-hmm. you, you get through the orders and you're just like, I just got to get these orders done. I got to get yep. these orders done and you rush it and you don't take the time you're supposed to take. You need, what I seeing is people that rush it and they cut corners So always make sure you're beveling your edges. You're, you're cutting those hard corners off. Always make sure that you're slicking your edges down and you're making them look nice. Make sure your stitches are nice and tight. You know, you don't have the, the threads, the tensioning wrong on your threads Mm -hmm. so that you have knots where the knots aren't supposed to be. Like just create as clean of a product as you can and nice of a product as you can it's not fair to your customers to spend their money and get a subpar piece because you've rushed and that's the thing if you're that busy at the point you can't keep up charge you yeah. know and that's that's a big thing like i would rather do 
one project and take my time doing it and charge 200 than do 20 projects as fast as I can and charge $10. Mm-hmm. That is, that is such a huge thing. If you're get if you're that point where you just got so much orders, you're just, you can't keep up, take your time and charge your worth. You know, right. if you can understand people, you know, first starting out, getting rough around the edges, you're learning. Absolutely. That's fine. Oh, yeah. But if you know you can do it, there's no reason you should be rushing. You should charge what you're worth, take your time and make that piece the best that you absolutely can because you never know who's going to see it. Well, first yeah. off, like you said, it's not fair to your customer, but you know, that stuff is going to show after time. Oh your yeah. Stitching, your stitching's off or something. Okay. That's going to come loose. It's going to tear off. It's going to split your, your beveling. You know, it's just, it, it matters in such a manner that you can't, I don't know. I just can't explain it. That stuff. I, I picked that stuff up right away. I can pick it apart just nonstop and, like I said, for the people out there, it's if you're learning, absolutely that's fine. It's not a problem. But I'm And if you have the- questions and you can't that's one thing too. I really struggle with TikTok. I love TikTok because it's such a great way to organically grow your business without spending money. But on there you have a lot of ask holes. Though mm-hmm. though they will ask you what is that beveler you're using? But they don't say thank you. They don't say please. They don't say whatever. What I absolutely love is when you shoot me a message and send me pictures and you say, this is what I've tried and I don't like it. I want it to be better. And I've noticed that this is what, you know, you've made your, your edges look like this. And I really like that. How did you accomplish that? And this is what I've done. These are all the things I've tried and I can't get it to work. By all means, shoot me that message because I will show you everything that I've tried, what works this way, what works that way, different price points. I'll send you links. I love that. By and, all means, if you like something, ask because I'm you know, happy to share it. That's that's I'm kind of laid back to one of Dawn's podcasts. And I forget who it was. I believe I for, I can't remember the name, but some people don't want help. They want answers. Right. And what he means by that is they haven't tried anything out. They just want to ask and figure out. They want to do it themselves. Uh, I believe it was, was it talking about making boots? Was it with Lisa or something? It could have or, been with Lisa or like Ducks Heritage. I forget. But either way, it was just someone, when he first started, they would say, hey, do it yourself a hundred times until you truly can't figure it out. Then come to me and ask for help. Cause most people, like I said, I'm the same on TikTok. They'll be like, what, what, what do you use for this? What do you use for that? What do you, how do you do this? And they've never even tried it out. Right. Well, you know? and there is no like right way in leather work. You know, we, we've all, some people have been taught, some people have taught themselves, but there's a million different ways to do yep. the same exact thing. So you have to find what works for you. And if it's not working, by all means, reach out. But you won't learn unless you screw up. That so, is, yes, yes. Yeah, and you won't have anything to base what looks good and what doesn't look good until you've made something that doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. 
So you've, yeah. you've got to try and you've got to fail and you've got to have successes so that you can look at this and go, okay, that worked. This didn't work. I'm going to use the thing that did work. And that's the big thing. People just screw stuff up. I mean, me, like, I've never had a teacher. Yeah. To the point where I learned how to do it. I can't emphasize that enough is, you know, I just, where it comes down to it. And kind of like we're talking about everyone does stuff differently, you know, like I was going to say, like, look at just, it could be different thing like edges. Like, do you know how many different ways there are to have a nice, clean, slick edge? Oh, so many. And I still haven't figured out exactly what I want. (laughs) And that's, I've done I've done it so I've probably done my edges three or four different times over the past four and a half years. Um, and still this day, if there's another way that I could find it to do now, here's, I will say this. There is a difference between finding an easier way doing something and cutting corners. So right. for me, I used to use, like I use Martin's mix now. All right. So mm-hmm. before what I used to use, I used to do, I used to, Sand, cut my edges down, of course, trim my backing off, sand my edges down. I would slick it with uh, saddle soap. I would wait for that to dry. I'd dye all the way around it, wait for that to dry. Then I'd slick it again with beeswax. And so on, two or three years later, all I do now, I sand it down with a higher grit, lower grit. I take black fibings dye, mix mm-hmm. with Martin's mix. I slick the edges, and they are straight, slick black. I mm-hmm. did literally the same exact edges that hold up just as long a half of the time yep and that's big like especially when you're doing it full time it's the same thing like there's i call it the forbidden stitch because <laughs> when i tell you I'm what, right about that <laughs> when you start talking about hand sewing and sewing machines people tend to get a little crazy oh yeah as well, a we, business. we all have our own thing and that's for me personally if i I take 12 hours to tool a belt. I'm going to run through my Cobra. I mm-hmm. paid like almost $4,000 out of the taxes for that thing. I'm using like people do. Let me tell you what. Nothing. I know how to use that machine and make a beautiful stitch. There are some people out there who I know can hand stitch and people can stitch with Cobras. Mm-hmm. And But people have their own niche. You know, people prefer yep. to hand sew. A uh, black stag. Ch- chase. He only hand sews his wallets. He markets it that too. That is fine. Amazing. I will never knock away someone does something as long as they do it correctly. I wish I had the time to hand sew. I really do. I I know that it's a stronger stitch. I know that it's a cleaner stitch. Like it's beautiful when it's done the correct way. However, I don't have the time for that. And that's me. It's just, I mean, here's the thing. If you could find, if I could find people who want to pay me, I'd have to charge. I couldn't, I'd have to break it down hourly. You know, your shop, your time is the most valuable thing in your shop. It isn't material. Mm-hmm. It isn't, it's your time. If I could yep. break it down and I, I'd hand sew a belt, if someone were to pay me for my time's worth to do it, absolutely, I'd hand stitch every belt. But after what you're charging for tooling, most people are going to be like, yeah, run it through your machine. You can, yep. I, you can have a beautiful stitch on a sewing machine. You run your nice stitch groover. You, you have it nice, set down in, keeps it nice and straight. Beautiful stitch. That's fine. But for just for me, as of now, like, 
I, I could never charge someone. I mean, I'm sure someone out there would pay for it, but more than likely they're going to be like, hey, run that sucker through the Cobra. I will be thumbs up happy. Well, and you also have to, you know, figure out who your customers are. You know, mm-hmm. if you've got if you've got customers that are really into, uh, I can't think of the name now, but um, just very bare bones, but I can't think of the name. You might have to edit this part out, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, just just the the um. Like, bespoke. I think it's bespoke. Um, yeah, it's very clean, hand-stitched, not no tooling, but it's just everything's done by hand. It's very, like... Very traditional. Now you got me confused. I'm going to have to edit this out. <laughs> I yeah. Call it, I call it minimalist. Yeah. nothing minimal about it at all. Right. It is very clean work, very clean leather, clean stitching, all done by hand. I know exactly what you're talking about. And there is a high, there are people like they will charge as much for their belts with no tooling on it as I will with a belt with tooling on it. Right. Yep. And there are clientele that that just floats their boat. And then there's clientele that they just want the really clean, um, floral tooling and then you have clientele that are just like i want geometric and so you just have to figure out who your people are who you're marketing to who your buyers are and you happy as well and just find your medium yeah and that's that's it i mean that's a big thing too i get people that ask me hey how do i get started in the leather work or leather crap well what do you want to do there are so many different things in the leather world. Like, oh you, yeah. Like, first off, like, what do you want to build? What do you want to make? Do you want to do it by hand? Do you want to look like a machinery? Like, there are so many just different, just I guess styles of leather work you can say. Even like belts, you know what I'm saying? There's like, like probably five different classifications on belts that you can make. Yep. Are you gonna market to a businessman? Are you going to market to a cowboy? Are you going to market to uh, a gal that's, you know, just wanting something fancy to go out on town? Who are you? Who, or belts, you know, that's. Yeah. Just who so- do you want to sell to? What do you want to do? And that's for me where I came up with my stuff is I wanted to be a part of the Western community. And at that point, I was forced to sell my horses. My ex-husband was not into that. So I had to get rid of them. And I wanted a way to be in the Western community without the expense of a horse, without Mm -hmm. the expense of competing, without, you know, having to spend money because I wasn't allowed to. So for me, being able to be in in the cowboy industry, in the Western industry, that's why I build what I build. Mm-hmm. And, and that's also ultimately what makes me happy. You know, when I was trying to come up with my own style and, and what I wanted to be, what I did was I went back to, so my mom, um, well, my grandparents, they're dairy farmers and they sold the dairy farm and my mom was, was much younger. And so what they did was they traveled half the year in a motorhome, And then the other half of the year they lived in Florida and, 
Um, so my mom would like, you know, do her schoolwork and they'd mail it into the school and they traveled all over. Well, my mom got all kinds of cool, like travel magazines and trinkets and just cool heirloom pieces that she kept. And when I was a kid, I would go through those and I loved the mesas. I loved Monument Valley. I loved Thunderbirds. I liked the saguaro cactus. I liked the mm -hmm. prickly pears. And when I decided, okay, I'm going to do this as a business, what is it that drives me? What is it that makes me happy? And so I went back to that. I went back to that, the older style of, um, what what she had in those magazines and and I was like these this is what I like this is what I want to put on leather I want to do more Pictionary work um instead of more floral because floral was kind of difficult for me it still is um and that's what kind of gave me my vibe and essentially like my flavor what what makes me different um I don't know where I was going with that but <laughs> but that's yeah. That's good though. Like, I know people who do leather for years and they still don't figure out their niches, what they enjoy doing. Like, yeah. whenever you find out what you truly enjoy doing when it comes to leather craft designs and styles and all that, that's awesome. And you can oh, just yeah. take off and go from there. There's and this guy that I follow on Instagram and he, um, he does leather work and he makes like cool, um, ties and those, um, I don't know what they're called. They're not a bolo tie, but they're, they're like a, a tie that you'd wear with a tux. You know, they've got the like round. You, you lost me. I've never worn tux in my life. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, they're, they're just different, you. different ties and mm -hmm. bow ties, I think is what they're called, but he makes those out of leather and they are like very city, but classic and clean and super cool. And, you got to figure out what it is that you love, something that you would use every day, something you'd be proud of. Mm -hmm. Make that because your customers will come. And that's a, you, you, you're going to be best at what you enjoy doing the most. Mm -hmm. You know, that's everyone. They first get started doing that work. They do absolutely everything. And I'm, I'm the same way. You do everything you could imagine under the moon, but after so long, you start finding something like, hey, you know, I don't want to do this, but I really enjoy doing this. Or I really, oh, it yeah. could be, it doesn't have to be one item specifically, but even like a few items that you just truly like and enjoy doing. And that's what you're going to be best at because, you know, nothing is worse than going to your shop and starting a project that you dread having to do. Yep. That's how you burn out. And that's, that's kind of like me at the Hey Dudes. Like, I thought it, it was my niche at first because I wanted to think of my niche. I just knew that I had orders for it. And I'm like, you know, got to pay the bills. Let's crank them out. But at the same time where you look like Joe Schusler, he makes shafts. Mm -hmm. Joe Mealing, you, pretty much he does mainly belts. Yep. You know, uh, I'm trying to think of anyone. Long X Trading, they do a lot of shoes. Uh, I'm trying to think of everyone who does a bunch of Dustin Loftus. He does his stuff. It looks, from what I could tell, I haven't talked to him about this in person, but it looks like he just does cycles of stuff. He'll do something for so long, then something for so long. He doesn't get burned out on it. He'll do mm -hmm. something for a few months and then change out. So finding your certain niche on what you want to do is huge because, oh, yeah. like you said, it's going to cause you from not getting burned out because 
I was there this beginning of the summer. I just like could not dread being in the shop. I was mm-hmm. just so burned out. It's just like just throw one line down and just bloom from there. So yeah. finding what you enjoy doing is just one of the things that are absolutely huge. And like I said, it doesn't, excuse me, it doesn't have to be one certain item. It can be a s- amount of things. Just, you know, just finding what you enjoy doing uh, project in design wise is just really, really good in your favor and helps you out in your business. And also don't feel like you have to take custom orders. Yes. Amen. Don't, don't feel like you have to do that. You can 100%. Make stuff that you like that makes you happy, and you can sell it. I, I got thing. out of custom orders because they were draining me. And leather work is a very tedious process. It'll bring your creativity and, out. Yep, it, it'll take your creativity away. And if if custom orders, you're not getting fuel to your fire doing that, don't feel like you have to do it because there are people that will buy ready-made products. They will like that. They will like the fact that they don't have to wait. They will like the fact that it's more like Amazon. They can buy it and it's there in two days. Oh yeah. That's, that's a huge thing. And I was actually talking to Sierra. I hope we get her on the podcast here soon too. She's awesome. She doesn't touch any customs. Yep. And that's, that's something I struggle with because uh, for me personally, it's not because it's more or less, I don't know what my market is. Okay. Technically for stock items, you know, I would be so scared to take a few weeks to build stock belts, stock wallets, stock whatever. I have no idea what would sell. So for me, I have been dipping my toes in the water a little bit, making some stuff, some nice cheese, some wallets, kind of see, you know, what people will tend to buy like that. Because well, and the- you can also poll your customers too. Uh-huh. Like when I, when I made the leap from not doing customs to doing just shop updates, mm-hmm. uh, what what I did was, well, I was it kind of forced my hand. Um, COVID hit, and the my gal that was working with me at the time, she couldn't come in because she was immune compromised. And so it was just me in the shop and I couldn't keep up with all the customs by myself. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I finished up all those customs. And what I did every month was I did a shop update and then I also allowed people. So I think I took like eight custom orders at a time. They could purchase it through my website. Mm -hmm. And then I just slowly dwindled it down from custom orders to only shop updates and it, it's it's a hard thing to do. Um, essentially, like getting the word out to your customers that hey, we've got ready-made products. This is mm-hmm. what what it's going to be the best for us to do, um, and getting them to show up onto your website at the drop time. It's it's a, a learning curve, and you've got to teach yourself, and you've got to teach your customers. But once you get into it, it runs really smooth. And you can pull your customers. You can go, hey, what are you guys looking for? What is it that I'm making that you want that you weren't able to get at the shop update? And they'll tell you. And you can also take requests. So like right now, what we do 
is you can shoot me a message. I really want the alien theme belt or I really want your naked lady belts. And I'll just write that down. I've got these people that want this. This is the size they're wanting. And I don't do a custom, but I know that I have X amount of people that this is exactly what they want. Yeah. So then I know, okay, well, I can do a belt update. I can do a, I can spend a whole month building belts and drop them because I've got this many people looking for them or this many people looking for spur straps. And that definitely helps. And people don't feel like they're just being told no. They're getting a maybe. And that's a little bit easier to swallow than flat out no. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of something. Because that's how I am too, you know. That's (sighs) Me too, like on the creativity side where it's just, you know, especially when it comes to that, like them hey dudes. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, I made three pair nonstop. I made the set with the Peterbilt on them. Mm-hmm. I made the set with the war bonnet on them and I made the set with sunflowers on them. Probably out of the say 200 pair I've done last year, maybe 10 of those were something different. Yep. And it does. It really, it, it goes from you having fun and being creative to you just kind of feel like it's just manufacturing, you know, you just pump out <laughs> the same thing nonstop over, over, back, forth. And, you know, if, if you're trying to just make some money, that's all right. But like, when you're really trying to get creative and like, even better yourself, you know, you want to try something cool, something different. The only way you can do that is doing new and creative stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, but- and too, like customers, they're coming to you because you do you. And when you're just doing you over and over and over again, but you're not bringing anything new about you to the table, it gets kind of tiring. Whereas mm-hmm. if you throw something really wild and out there and you're like, this is different than what I've been doing, check it out. People like that. They like it when you surprise them. It's like getting a new edition of Nike's out. (laughs) But yeah, Yeah. but it's awesome. So that's, yeah, that's a big thing. It's just, I'm trying to switch over to Mm -hmm. uh, doing a lot of stock items just for that reason. I'd like to get a lot more creative, just do some cool, crazy stuff, you know? And I said, most of the time people, they're just kind of set on like just the standard floral. You know, I'm always sitting there trying to better myself trying to do cooler flows or different plugins or just wild looking stuff that just like, I want people's head to hurt when they look at my stuff, you know, right. like what the heck? How So, and that's cool. But like me, like I'm trying to really dip into doing some of the, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue doing like animals. Uh, what's the right word for it? Uh, I cannot. I'm sure someone's gonna be like, "Oh, it's this," but yeah, just like <laughs> tooling animals up, doing like I don't know, like deer, elk, or dogs. Like I have very minimal skill doing it. I could do it, but like not to the extent where I want to be. But I don't get the opportunities to do it. I can't just randomly throw a duck on somebody's belt, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, so there's a a really good um some very good there's a quite a few series of books on it but it's uh the al stolman books his books. Yeah, yeah his pictorial books are absolutely That's amazing good. and he uses tools in ways that i would have never have thought of that was like i was doing i was doing something with fly fishing on a i forget it was a pair of hay dudes mm-hmm. and literally 
doing pine trees with the Vayner. Oh, yeah. I never, they look so amazing. They're but, super cool. Until I looked at it, I'm like, that's really all he used. That's that's it. Like, just some Vayners. And it just looks like yeah. a real thick pine. Like, that's insane. And I love the yeah, fact the Vayners that- and then that, like, triangular shaped stamp to really yep. set it out. Yeah, yep. it's cool. That's because I hit up, I messaged Peter Main. Because mm-hmm. uh, I was like, hey, man, I just like, I'm really trying to get into the pictorial and what is the other word? Like pictorial is like the pictures and then there's, there's like a landscape. certain figure carving. Oh, that it is. oh, yeah. The pictorial figure carving, like I told him, I was like, I'm really trying to better myself with this. It's something I slack in. I can, I can tool floral, you know, but like I really slack in that area. And he just like, first off, you know, you know, there's a thing called uh, figure bevelers. Mm-hmm. And like I said, like the triangle shaped ones and that. And, you know, he's like, but most of the stuff he does, he uses just his modeling spoon. That's it. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm doing now. And like, it's really hard when you have nothing but customs. You don't have time to just throw away five hours a night to sit down there and just make some kind of random animal, which you, you kind of have to if you want to be good at it. You're never going to be good unless you do it over and over again. So it's Take just 15 like, minutes. And that's, 15 minutes. And like your 15-minute break that you would use to be on your phone or whatever. Take that 15 minutes and 15 minutes two times a day yep. is half an hour that's half an hour you put into that and it's it'll be better beneficial for you that's what i do with drawing too like Uh like i get i got this little i literally went to hobby lobby i got it's like just a little black booklet probably maybe like five inches by eight inches and i carry it with me everywhere everywhere i go every minute i get and that's what i tell big people when it comes to drawing floral when I used to work at Duckmate Industries, before I did leather work full time, there is a giant metal table I used to work on. Mm-hmm. Every single day, I would bring a pen to work. I would draw a plug-in. I would draw a flower <laughs> for 15, not even 15 minutes, 15 seconds. But every, say, two minutes, I get another 15 seconds. Every two minutes, after 10-hour, 10, 12-hour 10, shift, you know. But here's the cool thing about it. Whenever you sit there, you stare at it when you're working at it. You pick it apart. Uh-huh. And literally, I think I still have pictures on my Snapchat. And I have to say, I'm just like, over the years of me just drawing. <laughs> I remember one time, the whole corner of this table, probably it was, it was, a, it was a slow Friday night at work. Let's just say that. I worked night shift. And I had this entire corner of this table, probably the size of a south skirt, completely drawn out. <laughs> And it was just so cool. And then you just that's awesome. You just sit back and look at it. same thing. Like I was gonna bring up a little bit earlier when we're talking about drawing. Most people will never practice a project until it's time to tool one. Mm-hmm. And especially when it comes to floral, and that's the biggest thing on floral is the flow of the pattern. And you can have fantastic flowers, fantastic plugins fantastic leaves but if you don't have a good flowing pattern it can become an eyesore yeah well and don't don't be afraid if you if your flow is not proper and you're not liking it or something's a little off about it or even if you love it don't be afraid to shoot a picture off to another leather worker and say 
what can because mm-hmm. most people will look at it and even if they aren't good at it they can look at it and say right here is where it stops funny yeah or right here looks a little off even if they don't know anything about it or if they do and they're super great they can most definitely guide you in the right direction and that's the thing i get that i get out like i i do apologize sometimes people my dms do get heavy Oh, yeah. And, you know, I do feel bad sometimes when I don't get back right away. But I will also tell Fowler, there's been many times where, uh, you know, I'll just even, if it's like it's something that's common, I get people asked about, I'll just go live and just go step for step explain stuff out. But the worst mm-hmm. thing you can do is not ask for help. If you're yeah. struggling, like like I said, you better try it out beforehand. Don't just, don't just like not try it. Like try it out. Look it out. There are a lot of books out there, too, that can help you. A mm-hmm. lot of books. And even I still buy the books. Not saying that I'm amazing at floral, but there's always something you can learn. Mm-hmm. And but yeah, so just actually taking the time, like, because that's if you only imagine the only time you practice floral is when you're doing a project, you know, that's just like limiting yourself. So if you draw something on pa- paper two times before you draw it on a belt or what's it called technically speaking you're getting three years of experience compared in one year you know what i'm uh-huh. saying because technically it's three times as many times if you've drawn it as if you would if you just did on a project not to mention you have a lot less ruined project you're cutting up and scrapping yep tiktok doesn't like that <laughs> TikTok, <laughs> look i remember Oh, yeah, TikTok. If you do it, maybe if you want to kind of blow up on TikTok, just take one of those projects, cut up on TikTok. They will <laughs> trust me. You might get some hate, but you'll 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 probably get some views or bring some customers to you. All right. <laughs> but yeah, and that's a big thing. I've always see I've never drawn on uh what's the word for it? What's it called? Paper transfer paper. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people do. Most of my projects I'll draw on leather. Uh, just, I don't know. I just prefer it that way. I very I definitely, rarely... yeah. Like I really recommend that to people. I used to only draw on paper and then I transfer it over onto leather mm-hmm. and you are so much quicker and your skills get better when you force yourself to draw on that leather because before... time is money. I know someone's going to ask an eight B pencil and use 12. a white eraser, use a white hey. eraser. There's 12B pencils. I found those on Amazon. Really? Yeah, there's 12B pencils. They're pretty cheap, only a couple of bucks on Amazon. They're blue. Those suckers are fantabulous. Is some German ones? I, I don't know. I, know, I don't I know. Get, I, the, the one APs I buy are, are blue. And, okay. Sometimes they take me off because sometimes I'll get a pack that them, them suckers just toss around that and all the lids broken up through it. So as I'm sharpening it, <laughs> keep snapping off. Really takes me off. But yeah, that's just practice drawing. You can, yeah. it could literally be, like I said, 15 seconds, draw a flower and just stare at it, doodle something down. If you will progress so much faster if you do this. If you, and, if you don't, it's just, yeah, it's just going to hurt you. Not really hurt you, but, you know, if you, yeah, 
go ahead. There's there's also um, something to be said too. Like, you don't have to be an artist to do this. No, you don't. Go look at my like. Hey, look, here's <laughs> look. People all the time tell me, and like I said, I'm not that. I'm not the best. Far from it, or anything like that. Oh man, I wish I could draw like you. Have you go scroll down to the bottom of my Instagram page? Go scroll down and look at when I first started drawing. I have absolutely zero, zero artistic abilities. You yep. do not have to have any artistic abilities to do anything when it comes to art, whether it's painting or drawing or anything. Some people are born with it and they can just look at something and draw it. Absolutely. That's awesome. There, you know, but there is no reason that you cannot tool anything or draw or just anything. If you yep. practice, you sit down there and you practice like I also, I just use it with any item. It could be your dog. It could be your cat. The first time you draw it, it's probably going to look horrible. If mm -hmm. you sit down there and take two months and draw out over and over again, study it up, study, look at different way people draw stuff, how to draw this or draw that. And you practice, I promise after drawing it a hundred times, literally draw it 100 times. I promise by the hundredth time you will look and be amazed at the difference just by putting mm -hmm. the practice in. Yep. There's, so when I started this, I had never acted. I had never done art. Like I didn't mm -hmm. want to, I wanted to be wild running through the woods <laughs> on my horse, building forts, doing whatever. Art was what my mom did. You know, mm -hmm. she, she painted and I just, I didn't want to be in the house. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to be my mom. I was not into that. And my girlfriends would come over and they'd be like, I want to craft today. And I'm like, peace, <laughs> I'm going outside. I'm going to go ride my horse. You have fun oh. with my mom. Cause I ain't doing that. And so when I decided that I wanted to start carving, I sucked. I sucked at drawing. I couldn't draw a damn thing to save my <laughs> life. But you draw and you draw and you draw. And at some point, things start to get easier and they start to get better. And you learn, well, if I turn this this way, that gives it a whole nother dimension. And I'm still not where I want to be. I, I probably won't ever be. Yeah, I don't think but, nobody will. You're always striving right. to be better no matter what where you're at. Yeah, you do not have to be an artist and don't use that an ex as an excuse for why you are copying other people. You can be an artist. You can force yourself. You can teach your hands. You can teach your brain and you can do it. You just have to commit the time to doing it. And some people just can't, they, they can't teach themselves to draw. They mm -hmm. just can't do what they have in their head that they really want to do. And that's okay. That's why pattern packs are out there. That's why there are leather workers that teach you how to do things and sell designs because some people just can't do that. They can stamp like a champ or they mm -hmm. can sew amazingly, or they can build a saddle just impeccably, but tooling or drawing a pattern is difficult. You don't have to struggle. You can buy a pattern pack and that's totally acceptable. There's nothing wrong with that, but give yourself a chance and really try and really practice and commit and put the time in because you might surprise the fuck out of yourself. And don't, and don't just give it a week either. Like give yourself a solid month or two, you know what, especially leather cat, nothing comes overnight. 
It is such a big misconception. Same thing with the whole floral tooling thing. People expect, hey, tooling in general, you know, they pick it up. They expect to be good at it overnight. It is. It takes time. Yep. Like you're getting frustrated because you just picked up tools and you can't do it. Don't get frustrated. You know, it, it doesn't matter how good you are or who you are, the first time you do something, it is going to take time to learn and understand. There are people with natural abilities out there who I've seen who are just artists at heart in their head. They mm-hmm. just they just can pick these things up and they can just make it look amazing off the bat. A lot of people aren't like that. But you mm-hmm. have at least put some at least a month in. Just give it some time and just look back when you first started. You know, that's I promise ninety five percent of the time you will see a difference. Like you might not notice it right away, but like I said, that little notebook I carry around, do the same thing, people. Date it. Literally take a piece of paper at the beginning of the book, put this date, draw once every day for a month or two straight. Draw you could draw the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. But take that when you get to 30 days, look at the first one. And look at the last one and look the difference there is. Oh, yeah. There is 100%. always like some people just, you know, they just they do it once and they don't like how it looks. They do it for there too. They get frustrated because they don't see results right away. And, oh, and I will say leather work is not a place. If you want fast results, leather work is not the place nope. to be. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. This is a very tedious and expensive hobby or craft to get into so you if you're gonna do it have some passion for it if you're passionate for it do it the first two years i did leather craft or leather work whatever you want to call it i didn't make a dime every penny i made i put right back into it yep you know especially you know that's just like people start say with craft tools or hand sewing then you want to buy some barry king tools or some uh What's it called? Hand. I don't even know what the name of them are. Fancier hand tools for edging or whatever it is. And you want to buy a nice sewing machine, and you will always constantly want to buy tools. It is very expensive. It's not expensive to start, but it's expensive to stay in. You know, you're, you're, you're always- not a leather crafter. You're a leather donator. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> That's and what it feels like sometimes. <laughs> that that is literally. It's just you know you're always spending money, and like don't get me wrong, it's great you know what i'm saying you buy especially when you're doing it as a business you buy machines to help you produce faster not saying that it's manufacturing and you're cutting corners but you know you buy an oblong punch you don't have to take a hole punch and an exacto knife you know you spend mm-hmm. 70 dollars on the punch does the same exact thing but it's faster or you can go out and buy it for six. For me, well, I still got to upgrade some hand tools. I have not yet. I, I felt guilty under that. I got like every single stamping tool I own is almost a Barry King, but my hand mm-hmm. tools, yet yeah, I'm still trying to upgrade. But to my defense, I really only use two hand tools, an edge beveler and a stitch groover. Okay. So for me, that's, and I don't do a whole lot of different thicknesses either. Like, I use six to seven for a lot of things and uh-huh. I don't, 
I do need the upgrade, but like it's just I've sharpened them so much they like work very well. I do want to upgrade, especially for doing stuff like wall interiors. Like there's no like I do like Fairy Kings. I forget what size it is. I tried out in Waco. I there that is one thing that if look, if anyone's out there listening, go to a leather show. I wish I could go to one. <laughs> go to here. <laughs> Waco is like, I mean, Sheridan is the one to go to. Uh-huh. How far? You're in Michigan, so that's what, right. probably what, 16 hours from you? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd have to Google Maps it. I'm not really sure. 24, 24 hours to me. Okay. But go, if you just want to see some just good old other show, especially when it comes to tools. Everyone, they have these, just you can pick them up, especially Barry Kings. Like, the one thing that always just like drove me crazy about Barry King tools is that he gives you the size reference, but after shows, you actually get to pick them up and use them. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's kind of hard on websites to like differentiate what the sizes actually are, especially it's, like edge bevelers, you know? Right. Like, that's my yeah. big thing. Like, I don't, like, it's just, I, I do also, like, Bear King, if you listen to this, I highly doubt it. What would be really awesome, too, is that inch, how you have, like, the one-inch mark. If you were to put mm-hmm. every single stamp, like, size zero, one, two, three, four, whatever, in that same exact picture. Heck, yeah, that'd be so nice. <laughs> that would be awesome, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like. Because, like, I'm just sitting there, I'm screenshotting at it, looking at it left, right, swipe back and forth. I'm like, because there's certain things, <laughs> like, you know, bevelers, I'll just buy, like, one of every size, you know? Mm-hmm. Because most likely for me, there's, I will use, like, almost, uh, like, when I when I tool my floral, I'll use everything from a size zero to, I think, the extra CP only goes up to a number two. But I'll use three or four different mm-hmm. square bevelers, and I'll use two different size round bevelers. So, for me, I always use all of them. But when it comes mm-hmm. to the thumbprints, you know, that's like most of the time when you ever you do your floral, it is very rare that you blow it up or shrink it down. So pretty much like if you're doing a lot of belts or balls, you're drawing your floral the same size. So you're going to be tooling it the same size. So pretty much there's like one size thumbprint or one below or above that that you're going to use more often than other. Mm-hmm. So for me, and another thing, Barry King, you're an, I'm, look, you're an amazing guy. You make awesome tools. But if you could just like etch the tool size on your stamps, so when I get a reorder, <laughs> I know what size I have. That'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> One thing was um, some of our bevelers that look pretty similar, but they're a little different. Um, I'll take painter's tape in different colors and I'll wrap that around the top so I can see when I'm just grabbing things quickly. No, okay, that blue one's what I want, or that green one's what I want. A lot too. See, I have a my, my tool roll. I don't I don't have like a blog. I have a roll, and mm-hmm. I just know because I have every single tool that I use. Because I literally do like all floral. I have every single tool. One after I pick one up, I put it back in. Use the next. I just complete go all the way down the line. That's a smart idea, and it's kind of convenient. Like I said, right. just. Like, I'll have my flower centers first. Then after my flower center, I'll have my thumbprints. Now, I will have multiple thumbprints, 
but I know like I pick which one if I want to use a vertical or horizontal, a smooth, whatever. Have that. Mm-hmm. Then I, ha- I have my bevelers in order. So the first thing I do after I'm done thumbprinting, I'll do all my round bevelers. I'll pick up my number two, which is the big one. I'll go all the way down and back the belt, put it down. I do that because you only have to pick that tool up once. You're not picking one tool up mm-hmm. and putting it down and grab another, pick it up. You work your way down the line. It, for me, it's much faster, more efficient when tooling. So I'll just do that. I'll get yeah. Yep. And some, because some people like tooling one section at a time, the entire thing, one section, one section, one section. Mm-hmm. I do not like doing that. One tool, go all the way down it and back. Same thing. Yeah. So I'll go from like, uh, I'll do my round bevelers first. Then I'll go to my square bevelers. Then after it, of the thumb printing and the beveling is done, I'll go to say, I'll use my Vayner, I'll use my mule's feet, I'll use so on, so on. I literally just like all the way down the line. It's just convenient for me. I really like it. I think it works great. Everyone does stuff differently, like we talked earlier. It's just kind of the way I feel like I'm more efficient when it comes to tooling. Mm-hmm. For sure. But but yeah, just tools, that's that is a huge, huge deal when it comes to I mean, there's now look, don't I never ever tell people right off the bat, go buy Barry King. You right. know, go buy Barry King or I'm trying to think of the big names. Uh but there are definitely something that they make a big difference in your in everything you do. Yep. I will say, like, usually when I'm talking to people that are trying to get into it, I will recommend if you're going to spend the money, don't spend it three times if you can't. Mm. If if you can afford, buy better quality because it'll be a marketed difference in your work. Um, and so a lot of people will go to Tandy and they'll buy soul knives. Tandy soul knives most definitely are not. And I rocked Tandy soul knives for a long But then what I did was I went to Barry King and I saw that for less money spending at Tandy, I could get one and I tried it and I liked it and it worked really well. Well, then I was like, man, I'm just not quite loving it. I do love it. There was like leather that would have extra grain to it. And so I was dropping my knife mm-hmm. more and kind of. So I upgraded and bought um, a leather Wrangler swivel knife. And Wrangler swivel knife. Once I realized how much I loved those, they just held their sharpness. They roll nice, they swivel nice. They're, they're exactly what I works for me and works for my hands. So yeah. talking to people and if you can't afford it, go for the leather wranglers. If you can't afford it, go for the king. Guaranteed. It's going to be a nicer quality than some of the other beginner kits. And it's the same with stamps. You could buy stamps from a, a company. But that's usually where people go when they're first starting. Um, Absolutely. They'll, they'll go with Tandy because it's more cost efficient, more affordable. And I get that. And I 100% didn't have the money for good tools. But I've now found I harder trying to get a good like burnish with my stamps. 
mm-hmm. with a tandy than than with Barry Clay Miller, Wayne Juski. Once I started getting those, I realized, oh my God, I spent less time and got a quality, yep. <laughs> more quality stamp. And yeah, my product looks so much better. So don't, don't fall into the pitfall of a bunch of money into it. I get that. But buy buy quality tools instead of getting the three hundred for the same amount of money. Uh, I think we're all guilty of that. I mean, yeah. (laughs) I I mean, I didn't have that that opportunity, but first started, I had my mom's like four, three, four stamps, and then um, what I did was I had my old neighbor actually was at a garage sale, and he found this whole huge block with at least over stamps in it, and they sold it to me for like a hundred bucks. So I bought that thing and there was some bigger name stamps in there. And then there was a lot of craft tool stamps and didn't have to spend a ton of money to have it, but I start mm-hmm. upgrading because I realized these suckers aren't working. They, they aren't working the way I want them to work. Getting the quality that I wanted. So I will say start, save up your money, Buy five really good things and use those five and make money and then slowly increase and add and buy. Don't have to get everything. You can slowly do better when you're going to buy and when you're going to do it, buy a good swivel knife because that is going to. Don't buy it unless you need it. I know like I've, I've done it before myself. I just see a, just all these leather tools. I want to buy it. And, like, honestly, I have tools that I bought when I got started. They've sat up in my little holders, never moved. Same thing. Mm-hmm. I have probably 12 different size edge bevelers. I only use two of them. I have uh, just even, like, stamping tools. Like, back when I first started tooling and I was just using them to start out with, I bought some. I didn't know how to use for them. I just... Do not buy anything until you need it because I promise you can do a lot with a little. That is like, especially when it comes, like like I said, like for me, when it comes to hand tools, like I literally, like I do want to get newer ones and upgrade. And I was looking at some of Barry King. It's like, I want to get a new stitch groover and an edger. But for me, just like I do a lot of belts and wallets and pretty much they get same close to the same thickness. So I'm using the same edge beveler. So why do I have 10 different size edge bevelers if I only use one? You know, right. and instead of spending the money on 10 okay ones, spend that money on one or two really good ones. Mm-hmm. And just, it's just, it's a return investment, you know, it just, it's just about your work. I trust me. I remember the first time, well, actually the first time I picked up a Barry King beveler, I wanted to throw it in the garbage. Because I never used a steep bevel before, and I didn't know how to use one, and I could not make it look right. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, like you said, the even the burnishing. I mean, I just the first time I picked up a tool, and I'm just like, holy crap! Same thing. Like when I when I started yeah. using Herman. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And. You're figuring out why I wasn't getting the depth, 
And this was, I was buying low grade. I wasn't, I was buying the low grade. I didn't know. And when I did buy, oh. <laughs> yeah, you're right <laughs> You sound, you cast like a robot. <laughs> oh, sorry. Can you hear no, me better now? That's, yeah, that's better. <laughs> okay. Where did you, where did I end off at? I have no idea. You literally sound like a robot for like, 20 seconds and yeah but you uh yeah I, i'm sorry i have no idea where you left off i'm trying to think about what we said before okay. so uh veg tan yeah so yes. i used to buy yes. like the lower grade tandy veg tan i didn't buy the good tandy veg tan until later but i did i i struggled because i wasn't getting the like depth of color that i wanted and i had no idea how to achieve that yes and it wasn't just the tools. The tools had a major factor in it, but it also was just simply the leather. So if you're able to slowly upgrade and get higher grade leather, mm-hmm. it will make a world of difference. And I know that it's hard to afford it at first, but you can make easy, it happen. It's easier to carve a tool, yeah. especially if you're learning. It hurts to say it, but it's so much easier to learn and carve on expensive leather than cheap leather. You yep. know, take take your swivel knife and try cutting out real nice circles in a forty dollar double shoulder compared to a a, a side of Herman Oak. It's a mm-hmm. lot easier to learn on because the leather's smoother. It's a lot easier to work your tools with it. You know, I I I, I do I to this day struggle. Like some of them leather, uh, I'll go to classes at Tandy, and you know, I'm trying to help teach people how to carve this stuff and it's great to start off one to an extent but like especially when you're learning to carve it and swivel knife it or i guess carve and swivel knife is the same thing thing i don't know what i'm saying but it's, it's a struggle sometimes it doesn't want to carve smooth it wants to drag you're not getting the depth and you get frustrated mm-hmm. because most people who start doing leather work they don't know what the heck herman oak is or what wicked or craig is or they just leather is leather to them you know well, and I do know that Tandy has like expanded and is getting higher quality leather in. Yes. yes um, and so don't be afraid to talk to your Tandy manager because most of them are super like friendly and will talk to you about what they've used or what they know people, other customers are using and they'll help guide you in the right direction for things well, or reach of- out to another leather worker and be like, Hey, what supplier do you use? Because I'm not getting what I want. Yeah. I think, what is it? That one side of leather, they, it used to be just bellies. I, I made that when I went down, or I, it was before that, when I made that pair of shoes for Tandy. Mm-hmm. That was not Herman Oak. That was, oh my goodness, what is it called? I, I mentioned in the YouTube video, it's the, the shoes. It pulled antique dyed just like Herman Oak, but huh. it was Tandy's leather. Was I it heard, like something with a leaf in it? Leaf no, in the it name? wasn't the oak. It wasn't the oak leaf or the oak, the superior oak sides. It was. Uh, okay. It used to be just bellies. Okay. Oh, shoot. Here, I'll tell you here in a second. I, I got my YouTube <laughs> channel up. Uh, so it is. Uh, okay. Hopefully, it doesn't play. Okay, it is. Old world veg tan. Okay. And it, it told up amazing. It was thin. It looked great. 
literally, if you were to look at it in a piece, because like some leather, I will tell you this, it will dye antique and tool differently. Like the way I antique, I know a lot of people get, excuse me, get frustrated because I show them how I use my antiquing technique and they do it on a different type of leather and it doesn't look the same. Well, yep. they tan it differently. Yep. So especially when it comes to dyeing too, like some of the cheaper sides, if you take a bottle of say uh, dark brown dye, Herman Oak, say the oil contents differently, it soaks it up a lot better. You got a more, uh, just a more abstract color. It really pops. Some of that cheaper leather, it will just soak it in. It'll be like almost a black brown color. Well, and it doesn't even have to be cheap leather. I mean, some of the Herman Oak I've gotten dyes completely different than the other side. Mm -hmm. So it's a living creature at some point. Things happen. Doing the darker stains. Yeah. I don't really cool on or stretchy or whatever. Color over it. How it's going to before we put it on a project and not turns out. And that's kind of like, that's kind of something I wanted to look at. And I wanted to do like a little YouTube video on that. Like, I just want to take like 10 different types of leather and just like tool them and look at the burnishing. Like, I don't know. I thought it'd be cool. It but would be. That is, that's the thing too. Like you can't buy, you could buy two sides of the same leather and they'd react differently. You yep. know, that, like you said, like, just take a scrap piece out, dye it, paint it, do whatever, stain, give me whatever it is. Because, it, yeah, exactly. You could just have the same exact side you ordered the week before. But for some reason, it could be just something when it was tanning could be a little bit off and the color won't look exactly the same. Yep. Yep, for sure. It's, it's an odd odd hobby we're into <laughs> everything changes that's that's one thing so. i learned i went down to see my girlfriend gracie gracie christians and mm -hmm. um we were tooling together and of course her tooling looks so much differently than mine but she's she's staring at me as i'm tooling and she's like i don't know how you do that and i was <laughs> like what are you talking about she goes i don't know how you tool like that and i'm like what do you mean like, use your words. Yeah, <laughs> explain to me explain. what you mean. And she's like, Stephanie, you hold your tool, your your stamp in your right hand and your mall in your left. And I said, yeah. She goes, how do you do that? Are you left-handed? And I said, no, I'm right-handed. She's like, why would you hold it like that? Well, I don't know. Like I'm right-handed, so I'm putting the tool like a pencil in my hand and using my right hand. And she goes, "That's how left-handers do it. You're doing it completely backwards." <laughs> and I was like, "Well, I didn't know that. I taught myself." Yeah. So everything is different. Everybody's got their own way of doing things, and there is no right or wrong way. You just figure out what works best for you, what leather works best for you, what tools work best for you, and you move forward. That's it. I mean, there's no certain way to do it. I mean, to an extent, like, there's right and wrong, but like we said earlier, you can do it differently. As long as 
the outcome's the same. It doesn't matter how you do it. If you're putting out quality products. Yep. Go on. You keep going on. You keep. I remember. Yeah, that's crazy. I actually got to meet Gracie last uh, at Waco last year. And that she's was, a sweetheart. Yeah, she's a very, very cool, laid-back person. We uh, we actually sat down there the one time as we went. We were just sitting there just drawing floral. Uh huh. And I cannot believe, like, I've never seen anyone in my life draw so light on a piece of paper. Oh. <laughs> like, yeah. I and it was crazy because, like, I I looked over at her paper. I'm just like. Are you drawing anything? Because I don't see anything on that piece of paper. Like, but yeah, no, it's leather shows are awesome. I love going, just meeting, talking to people, feeling the tools, the leather, just talking to different distributors too. Like, I was sitting there talking, like that said to people from Herman Oak, uh, Lewis Leather Sales, who I'm pretty sure, who I get my shearling from now. They're awesome. Had their deals on there, just different leather workers and just like, they just, I don't know, even the tool makers too, like people who make the stamps and tools and all that, they'll be like, you can use this tool this way or that way. And you're like, holy smokes, I've never thought about it. That's crazy. And it's just, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's awesome. If you get the chance, go to There's the a lot of <laughs> I literally, next time I go down, like I said, I'm planning on being in Waco. I'm taking a notepad and pen and literally writing down everything I could possibly there because I got so much knowledge pumped into my head the last time I was down there in August. It was insane. I could, I literally could not wait until I got back into my shop to just start tooling stuff up because I had mm-hmm. so many ideas and just, it was insane. So awesome. I love it when you get fire and you get like re-energized. Yeah, for the I, was like, I was like, oh, I got an 18 hour drive home. This isn't fair. I'm in my shop <laughs> right now. Like, hey, someone give me a piece of leather and some tools. I'm going to start cranking some stuff out. Yep. And yep. it's just, it's... like, awesome. Absolutely awesome. Because one thing about this business, if you got a passion for it, stoke those flames. Keep yeah, going with it. it. That's absolutely. That's you, that you. It's you. Like, that's it. I mean, that's your, your business. Yep. You know, it's, it's awesome. I'm happy. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to do anything else. I mean, just being in this entire leather world is just like I've met so many people and just been so many places. It's just really, really cool. And everybody's got such a cool story to tell too. I love hearing from people. That's why I made this podcast. Like, I love <laughs> it. I love hearing everybody's stories. And like I said that's originally why I started the podcast because, like. I'd, I'd have conversations like this on my lives. I'd, I'd invite people on and go live on TikTok and Instagram and they're telling me a story. So I'm like, this is freaking awesome. I'm like, I want to save this and post it for other. And I said, you know, I was like, you know what? I, I'm going to start. A- Stories like this, hearing how people get into it or, you know, just like, their experience in leather work and where they've come from and how they got to where they are and where they plan on being at. You know, everyone has certain goals and it's just really cool. And for the most part, everybody's story changes, you know, everybody has their own goals or how they got started and all that stuff. It's just really, really awesome just to hear their side of stuff, especially from my side, you know, 
okay, I did it this way, but like some of like, oh well, you know, my my great granddaddy built this saddle for him, and then years later I got his out of nowhere we found his tools in the back of the shed and I got you know what I'm saying it's just really really cool yep or the people that they inherit like they inherited it like you said or they went and they apprenticed under somebody and they learned how to do that like it's just yep. it's so neat or like some people just like I don't like me like I had I had well I did rodeo but my family has absolutely zero leatherwork background zero artist background zero cowboy background one day i was just like you know what i want to make something and i just started building stuff <laughs> you know like super super cool it's just everyone has their own story and like i guess that's the point of the podcast you know i i i try to target younger folks i guess you can say people newer into i'm, I'm trying to get some people that have experience because i do really like enjoying uh, the stories are just like people from like, you know, back in back this so long ago, I apprenticed with this person and that person and they're this, they're that. I, I do like having people who have a lot of experience on the podcast because they just, you know, there's so many big names you hear. I'm like, yeah, I, I told other, he, I, he taught me how to told other in a saddle shop back in 76, you know, <laughs> and it was just cool. But like, I'm also trying to get, like I said, the younger generation of leather crafters on here because, you know. That's just, I don't know. That's the new generation. I feel like, me personally, there is a big gap in between the two generations of leather crafters and, like, say, saddle makers. You know, oh, yeah. for the longest time, it was a absolute dying art. You know, I'd say the last, pre-COVID, I'd say, because when COVID hit, I seen a lot of people start leather crafting. When I got started, there wasn't that many. But I feel like there's such a mm -hmm. big jump in leather crafters between old school and I guess you could say new school that it's just, yeah, it's crazy to see that. But I'm glad to see that leather crafting is coming back. I know there's people out there who think that, oh my goodness, it's going to drive customers away, which is, first no. off, like I said before, <laughs> there's there's social media. Yeah. Like you, there are people, leather craft mainly, I'd say, like, was cowboy stuff you know cowboys bought it horsemen people horsewomen too i'm not i'm yeah <laughs> so but now the social media there's people who have no idea what any of this origin is from and they're buying it because of the way it looks the yeah. amount of new customers that are coming to buy custom handmade goods is going through the roof that's mm -hmm. not like back 40 years everybody ago. I know. Everybody that I know that does leather crafting has more work than what they know what to do with. Mm -hmm. I think that is absolutely amazing. And I think that that's good for our community because there's less of a sense of competition and more of a sense of community because we can then, when we have too many customers, we can be like, hey, you should go check out this person or check out that person. Or, you know, you can, you can share share the clientele which is mm -hmm. me yeah and that's the thing there is there is no shortage of customers out there this mm -hmm. like there is far more i know back before it was a common conspiracy like the old school style makers they didn't want to teach you nothing or talk to you because they're worried that you'd steal their customers and you know honestly back then that could have been true because mm -hmm. back then they weren't hopping on facebook and posting saddle they just built 
You know, it's all word of mouth. And if a new saddle maker comes in town, they might just take your business from you. But nowadays, it's completely different. You can sell to people around the world from your phone. And there is no shortage of customers. I mean, there is, like you said, there is everyone is doing great, pumping out orders. And it's just an amazing time right now to grow as a leather worker. And I don't feel like that's going to change. I don't feel like, because most people who buy once, you're probably going to buy twice. You know, right. someone buys completely new, they buy a pair of Hades off of you. They're going to follow you for a while. I mean, I would if I bought some of somebody like, hey, you know, this is wearing out after a few years. I'm going to come back and buy something else. Mm-hmm. And so on, so on. So, I mean, you could create a lifetime customer. You know, if that one per- customer buys something off you every two years, and you build so many customers over the years, 10 years from now, you could just be building stuff from people you made in the past. You, you, new customers go to other places or so on and so on. It's just, it is a great time to be a leather crafter, especially with all the tools you have nowadays, building your business. I could not imagine building a business when it comes to leather craft 40 years ago. Like, oh, gosh. I, yeah. I, I, I mean, so I couldn't imagine, like, I just... God bless the people who were able to do it and get their name out there. But that's like, I could you imagine? I don't know how much a saddle cost back then or a belt, but could you imagine saying, hey, I'm going to mail, say, $40 for a belt back then. I'm going to mail $40 to a random guy three states away, have no idea really what his work looks like, but trust him enough to make me a belt and send it back. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just, it's a great time. Always <laughs> just. <laughs> and there's a wealth of yeah. information. There's a wealth of information out there. Just on social media, online, everywhere. There's so much information, so many pattern packs, so many places to learn from. So many that it can get overwhelming at times. But take it, take notes, figure out what you want to do, what works for you, and go with it. That's that you, there is like, there is no lack of resources right now. Right. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And that's, it's awesome. You know, it's just kind of wish I had that back a couple of years ago, but we won't talk <laughs> about that. I don't think, I think, I mean, there's tandy leather stuff, but there is a lot of stuff on YouTube now. The past like three years, there has been, like, I'm, I'm on YouTube. I know a bunch of other people on YouTube. There is no shortage of resources to learn how to do leather craft, whether it's just building in general or tooling. When I was first starting, there was Jim Linnell and there was Don Gonzalez. Those are the big ones that I watched and I uh, listened to. And now there's even more. It's, oh, it's amazing. Hundreds. I mean, I post on there now and then. And, you know, I just I try to get some stuff done. But there's a lot of stuff. I just prefer talking one on one with people. You know, mm-hmm. for me personally, there's so many things that I can learn from watching, but everyone has certain struggles, you know, and just, but like I said, all it takes is a quick message. Like, hey, how, I need help with this, you yep. know? And if I, you get shot down, talk to another one. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't be afraid to talk to more. If one says no, it doesn't mean they're all going to say no. Yeah, I've, I've, I've greatly had some people helped me out when I got started. Not too much on the tooling part, but when it comes to building like uh, 
I can honestly, I can honestly building a pair of chaps. Brody Bolton from 3B Leather helped me out. Joe Schusler from Chap Shop, he helped me out. And it's just, just, just shoot some messages. That's that's literally it. There's someone out there that's going to help you. And if they don't know how to help you, I'm sure they know someone else that can. Yep. Or sometimes they just don't have the time. And if they don't have I, the time, that's no big deal. Yeah, I know that feeling. And don't take it personal. But sometimes just people are just absolutely so busy. Like, they don't have the time to sit down and help you out. They're not trying to be rude or mean. They just got a lot on their plate. Mm-hmm. Yep, this is very true. Yeah, I don't know. I'm like... <laughs> I'm trying to think of anything else we could talk about. I mean, this podcast has gone great so far. I mean, <laughs> I like the fact that the only question that I had written down was just, how long have you been into Leathercraft? <laughs> I like that. No, that's awesome. Because sometimes, you know, I just like, I'll have a list of questions and ask, and we'll go over it. And But I like the fact it just went off there and think, want to talk about anything and everything when it comes to Leathercraft. That's, that's awesome. Hopefully, like I said, like I said, I, hopefully I get more. I'm trying to, like I said, this podcast, I love it. Like I said, just being able to talk to people and hearing their stories is just absolutely awesome. And I know a lot of other people that love hearing it too. Mm-hmm. I, I literally had, I forget his name. He, I, I, I believe it's a him. I, I'm not assuming anything, but it was just like, oh, I love your podcast. You, There's, there's not many leather crap podcasts out there. And I kind of wish it was because, like, I don't like listening to myself talk. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. I'm sure some people appreciate it. But I'm telling you, get out to a leather craft show. You will, because <laughs> uh, they have. I think they have four each year. They okay. have the, the one in Waco. They have one in Waco in August. They have Wichita Falls in October. They have. Prescott, Arizona in February, and they have Sheridan, Wyoming in May. I'm thinking about, I think I want to build a saddle and enter it in the Sheridan show next year. That would be awesome. So, so hey, they, look at that, baby. Plan, build your, build your saddle for next May. I'm going to go head to head. Yep, enter it up in the show. <laughs> We'll have to do like a, a TikTok competition. <laughs> you better put you better put them armadillos on there too. Could you well, imagine? I feel like that would be awesome. Like I've never seen armadillo strippers on a saddle, and I feel like it's something that's needed. I think so too. I think you might be onto something. I was kind of thinking about going with my uh, bitches get stitches theme and do some more. You could put that. Up. Look, you could put that right across. I feel like if you were to do something like that, it would go crazy because you either see basketball weave saddles or you see floral saddles. You don't see anything out of the norm like that. You know what I'm saying? You don't see no crazy cool stuff on saddles. I feel like there that was, would be- um, there was maker and i do not remember his name but there was a maker uh he's older school i do not think he's around anymore um i believe he passed away but he was kind of an outcast in the saddle making community from what i've been told anyways uh because he did a lot of like pictionary work 
naked women and um, like Spanish women on saddles and just different things. And at that time, it wasn't very popular. But nowadays, to buy one of his saddles, you're spending thousands of dollars because they're so heavily thought. And I think yeah. it'd be cool to be in that, be another one of him, but me. And exactly, that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's just one thing. It just pops. Like, you think it pops out when it comes to building like tack and bags and stuff like that. Imagine putting on a saddle and just entering the show. You know, <laughs> like, I, I feel, feel like, like they're gonna look at me like, "Who the heck are you, and why are you here?" <laughs> but and, and honestly, that probably would happen because everyone. The old times are so used to seeing floral and basque. But I think it's it was just like. It would just open up opportunities for saddle making because people are just so used to ordering two different things. So if you're, I don't know, I feel like you definitely should build a saddle and throw that stuff on there. It'd be really neat to learn how to build a quality saddle and then turn the world upside down on their head with some crazy stuff on it. I think I mean, that I definitely be fun. If shake I were, things up. If I were to go to a saddle shop and see something like that 100% like you know what I'm saying like I would tell you, like that is freaking awesome I'm buying that saddle I don't even care if it don't fit my horse I'm buying it just to stick on a stand and put it in my living room you know it's my conversation piece exactly and that's exactly what it'd be like could you imagine like just just strolling through like oh gonna go buy a saddle next you know you see a dinosaur being roped by a prairie dog you know, I just, I don't know. I think that would be flipping cool. I definitely, oh. I'm telling you, I mean, what's the worst that could happen? I'm telling you, Brent? go go work for them or, or just work with them on building saddles. Learn how to build a good quality saddle. Then next year for Sheridan, Wyoming in May, put that, put the armadillo strippers on it, put the UFOs on it, put, do the craziest thing you can imagine entering the show. I think this sounds like a plan. Go I turn feel the, like that turn the community, shake the community up a little bit. Absolutely. You got to get them on their toes. They're going to look at it and be like, I promise you, it is going to stand out more than any other saddle in the building will. <laughs> like, they're going to be like, what? Like, I don't think besides, like, probably a horse, I don't think I've ever seen, like, just me, like I said, anyone like, totally anything crazy on a saddle. I haven't either. But I feel like the new age rioters, would like stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We definitely have, we have our traditionalists in the community and then we have people that like different and they like to shake things up. And that's, that's the clientele that I really like to talk with. I like the people that are doing the oddball things. And that's the way to be, like I said, it's just, if you're, <laughs> Just something like that, it just pops out so much. And especially said when it's a good quality built, like that would be my thing. Like sometimes people, I'm not saying like people in general, but like more manufacturers, they'll make stuff to pop out. But when you have something that's good quality built and it stands out like that, it's, it's unbeatable, you know? Mm-hmm. That is, yeah, I'm telling you, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to harass you about this for the next <laughs> next. 11 months. Listen, listen, I'm getting ready to learn how to build saddles. You better get your ducks in a row and start doing it too. We'll go head to head. I got the Jeremiah Watts saddle building video. I play it every (laughs) night when I go to sleep. So I'm 
this fall, I plan on ordering. Well, I'm gonna order a tree here soon, probably the next month or two, and I'll start building on one. I don't know if I could do anything crazy like that, but I'll make a nice looking saddle. But I want to see some um, UFOs and dinosaurs on a saddle shared <laughs> next year. Deal. It's settled. We gotta get Deal we gotta get other people on this deal too. Could you imagine just a line of just absolutely insanely tooled saddles going to share them next year? That imagine, would... I could just imagine the judges like just walking up to the set. We'll have to have our own division. They'll be like these damn new kids coming in. <laughs> what are there'd they be like? Like there'd be like, I guess I don't even know. Like there'd be like floral. There would be stamp saddles. There'd be like, and then a bit miscellaneous, <laughs> the miscellaneous group, the PG thirteen group. <laughs> yep. What does that say on that Cheyenne roll? What gets stitches? <laughs> yeah. Uh, is that what's that armadillo on? Why does it say "Get on, loser"? <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely. I um, I feel like it's definitely a need. And at least the saddle making, you know, you see it in the belts and the wallets and the purses and stuff like that. But some of the bigger, the bigger stuff, you you, you really don't see it in, especially when it comes to saddles. It, it's a really traditional, either floral or stamped or just plain rough out saddles, you know. You don't see something crazy like that. And I do feel like there would be a big market in it, you know. I just, just my personal view, and it's just mine out of the 7 billion people on this planet. But... <laughs> I feel like if some people see some stuff like that, they get creative and be like, hey, could you do this on a saddle? Absolutely, I can. So, yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah, no, that's, I don't know. I just, this is my way of thinking. I like seeing crazy, cool, creative stuff, especially when it comes to things like that. Mm -hmm. It's fun being different. It is. It pays, too. You know what I'm saying? People like different. You know, after you see the same thing over and over again a million times, you know, that's, yeah. People say, wow, I want that. I'm I mean, so I- traditionalist at heart, though. Like, when I pick things for myself, mm-hmm. I pick the traditional scroll work. I pick the very traditional, classic stuff because that's what I prefer. I'm a, I'm a very, like... I don't know. I don't dress flashy. I'm very, very plain. Everything I have is classic and plain. <laughs> but then I make outlandish things. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> ain't nothing wrong with that. I'm pretty, I remember the first like two years I was doing leather work, I wore a plain belt, like no tooling at all. It's just a plain leather belt. I don't even think I made it either. I don't even have, I don't think I have anything I've made. I literally have one belt. Like that, like that's it. Like I have like a hooey wall, a, a hooey wallet from like, uh, I don't even know where it's from, like a boot barn or something. Like I wish I had time to make my own stuff. I need to. Right? I'm very, I'm very poor at marketing for myself. Yep. Yeah. You, you're your own billboard, but yet you don't billboard. You're just- making everybody else's stuff. You don't have time to make your own. And right. then when I do make stuff for myself, I don't ever put my initials on it because I end up selling it. <laughs> Like, oh, it's like, well, you know, I could wear this or I could sell it and buy a couple more tools. Right. Right. Yeah. The, the business mind in me, every time I think I'm going to build myself something, the business mind in me goes, why? When you could 
spend that same amount of time and actually make some money. <laughs> yep, Matt. <laughs> yep, that's literally how it goes. Oh, shoot. I mean, I'm trying to think. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Like, we've been, this is like, like I said, been a really good podcast. Good. I'm glad. Me too. Yeah, to hear it. That's anything else you have on mind you want to chat about? I don't think so. I mean, mainly if you want to do it, have passion, have passion for it, really want it. I know like for me, that's what's kept me going. That's kept me driving forward is this is what I want. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm good at. This is what God gave me and he's led every step of my way. And so I've just kept it going. And I think, I think if, if this is your passion and this is, what you've been called to do go for it just push and go for it and don't let let things get in your way don't let things distract you just put those blinders on and move forward i i know like for me it's it was something that i got into kind of on a whim and something to keep me busy but still keep me in the community and my ex-husband was was not supportive and he did not want me doing it didn't want me making money and I did it despite, and when I left, this is what I had. This is what I had to fall back on. This is what kept me surviving and, and kept me thriving. And so find, find your why for why, why you want to do it and remind yourself when you're struggling, what your why is. Absolutely. I mean, you gotta, the big picture, you know, there's, you know, there is a reason I believe there's a reason for everything, you know, that's, mm-hmm. and just finding certain things in life that you enjoy doing and just making the best out of it. That's like, I try to look back on like, when I, like for me, I never even cared to do leather work full time. I, I honestly never planned on it. I did it for fun. I didn't, but then like, I've seen like over the years, like the, the kind of, uh, I don't know the right word for it, but like what's come out of it for me. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just absolutely awesome the places it's taking me and the people I'm getting to meet, and it's just really, really great. And I don't know, I could not imagine if I didn't start doing. Hmm. So I'm trying. To, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buzz a quick question, a few questions off real quick that I wrote down. At least ask some of those. Uh, uh, so, in the time of your craft, is there anyone who you looked up to? Like, there's someone, like, specific. It doesn't have to be specific, but is there anyone, like, you're like, wow, you know, that's, I really like their work, or kind of someone you look up to as a role model in the leather work world? Yeah, so there's a lot of people. Um Travis Stilson is absolutely incredible and clean and just amazing. Dustin Loftus is beyond amazing. Uh, Carrie Schwartz. Oh my gosh. That guy blows me away. Uh, There's, there's so many of them. Uh, Bar X leather, uh, Sam Stewart. Yep. Yep. I, I, uh, Joe Schuessler with Shop Shop. Like these, these people, there are so many good guys and, it it just it blows me away what people can create. Yep. It just it's it's just amazing to see like 
you just start with a blank piece of leather and what these people make out of it is just it's absolutely amazing like you just just what the process in your brain that just you take something just like art or painting you turn a blank canvas into something beautiful and mm -hmm. it's just a really amazing what people can do when it comes to also, the or the, like even sometimes it's not even tooling sometimes it's just the stitch work that they <laughs> will do and you're like man how did you come up with that yeah i see some people they, they like to say even the minimus waltz and stuff like that they i see their stitching and the edge work and just like like uh, clayton moore like clayton moore oh, yeah. if you look at like his wall interiors they're beautiful like, it's absolutely insane. Like, I'm just yep. like, oh, my goodness. Like, they teach me your ways. Like, I make nice wall interiors, but he makes, like, absolutely professional interiors on his stuff. Not not down to his tooling. His tooling is absolutely beautiful and amazing. Mm -hmm. But, like, just, just the things like that, just people, it doesn't have to have any tooling involved at all. Just There's another gal, um, Western Skies Handmade. Oh, and she makes yes. those, yep. those round purses that she does. Uh, if you yeah. ever scroll through those pictures and look at the interiors of her round purses that she makes and the time she has into them, those suckers are clean. They're beautiful. They just, they blow your mind. I mean, that's, it. it is a art. It doesn't... It, that I don't care if people say it is an absolute art and some of these people are just just top notch. You can't explain it. I wish I would love to just be able to sit and talk to some of these people for a couple of hours. You know, that's, right. Same. That is just just I don't know. Like and they they just most of them want to do it by themselves. Like they just trial and error. Like I said, you fail with things and it's just really, really, really cool what people can do when it comes to leather work. It just, mm -hmm. like you said, it doesn't have to be toying. It could be just a plain Jane minimalist wallet. I see some of them Facebook groups, no tooling, just a small pocket card wallet. And this thing just looks astounding. Yep. That is, that is awesome. So over the time of doing leather crafts, what's a valuable lesson you learned? Just being true to you, being true to you, finding your niche, finding your style and running with that. That is the most valuable thing I found is finding you and doing you the best that you possibly can. That's a big thing too. being yourself. Nothing is. Yeah, I absolutely 100% agree with that. You're you. If, if you don't do it, I feel like you got to do it for yourself, too. You know, when yeah. it comes to leather work, everything about it. I mean, it is you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, it's not a company you're working for. It's not a group of people. You, you don't even have a, Most people don't even have a boss. I mean, some people work for other leather crafters. But everything you make is you. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of really an output. And what you create kind of defines you as a person, I like to say. So I don't know if I'm sounding too fancy not talking. I, I try to I try to go to the dictionary and work up big words before podcasts so I kind of sound <laughs> smart. Although sometimes like I just <laughs> but uh so do you have any certain like future plans upcoming for your business? Anything big coming up you want to talk about? Not really. Uh, I'm learning how to build saddles and that's that's a a 
big. That is very big. That is that is big. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I just I'm just trying to every day create a better and bigger business that is more successful and just and that's about it. I mean, I kind of kind of to the point of like the like I have a set goal in mind for what I want to be profiting every week, and that's kind of been my main driving focal point. And that's. Um, I don't think you ever, like we talked earlier, you, you never stop bettering yourself. You're always, it's just, it's a nonstop battle. There's never going to, I don't think there will ever be a point in anyone's uh, life that comes other words. They're just like, I mean, there are some people that are happy where they're at, but like always striving, like always want to get better no matter how good you are. The best, like you said, it could be Joe Shush or Kerry Schwartz. It could be Dustin Law. I guarantee every single one of them, no matter what projects they do, how can I do this better? Right. So, yeah, this has been absolutely a great podcast. Uh, yeah, no, it is awesome to have you on. It really is. I mean, that's always, I mean, it's just like, I don't know. I Like I said, talked earlier, I probably talked, said this three, four times already. Podcasts are amazing. Getting to hear people's stories and even their own opinions on things. You know, everyone has a different opinion and it's great hearing other people's. Uh, so, yeah, that's, we're going to go ahead and wrap the podcast up. Where can people find you at on Instagram, Facebook? Where, where can people find you at? Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you too. Um, you can find me on Instagram under Wallflower Leatherworks. You can find me on Facebook under Wallflower Leatherworks. Uh, I also have a TikTok under Wallflower Leatherworks. And then um, <laughs> I also have a website, which is also wallflowerleatherworks.com. You know, I'm the same way too. People are like, "What's your website? What's your Instagram?" What I'm like, "Look, it's all D2 leather work. Like it's <laughs> it's straight across the board. It is simple as can be." And yeah, so that's well, awesome. You were smart and you picked a nice short name. Yeah. Um, I, I I don't recommend a long business line name like <laughs> I have. <laughs> it's a lot to type out and a lot to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I kind of get the pre pretty pretty simple two letters i mean a letter and a number so yeah it's pretty great i love it yeah so like i said thank you so much for coming on i really really glad you came on it's an awesome podcast so far the longest podcast we've had oh uh, boy you know i don't know maybe down a year down the road i'll have a five-hour pot i don't know but so far like i said absolutely amazing conversation with you really good podcast and like i said i appreciate it so much for you coming on Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun talking with you. Absolutely. Same to you. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And yeah, definitely get that saddle done for Wyoming next year. I will. You better get yours ready because we're going to have a head to head. <laughs> I'll order the tree tomorrow. <laughs> oh boy. I better get on that then. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Later. Bye. <laughs>